Hi, I'm Weird Al Yankovic, and you're listening to the Pantheon Network. America is second to none when it comes to going to the moon, kicking ass in world wars, and creating genres of music. Blues, salsa, country, jazz, hip-hop, bluegrass, funk, doo-wop, ragtime, surf music, punk, disco, and of course, rock and roll all got their start in America. Unless you're into the symphony, polka, or the Australian didgeridoo, the music you're listening to either came from or has deep roots in America. On today's episode of The Prisoners of Rock and Roll, we're going to dive in and share who we think are the top American rock and roll bands of all time. So windows down and radios up, rock and rollers. It's time to go. Yo, yo. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the second episode of The Prisoners of Rock and Roll. I'm Bruce Kramer. I'm here with my two good friends and co-hosts, Ryan McCusker and Doug McCusker. What up? So welcome back. Last time we had a great discussion on whether Motley Crue deserves to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And today we decided we're going to look into the top American rock and roll bands of all time. We decided we were going to do our top six because everybody does a top five. Yeah, you know, six strings on the guitar. There's three of us. There's three of us. There's six, 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 and that's rock and roll. You don't get more rock than that. There's six beers in a six pack. That's I true. Got, <laughs> I got my cup of coffee and my PBR tall boy right here. So we didn't put a whole lot of uh, rules around this, right? We just said we're going to do our top six, and we didn't really say what that means. No, I think there's a lot of bands that could be on this list. And there's going to be a lot of bands we're going to keep off this list. Like personally, myself, I'm taking the Grateful Dead off and I'm going to take Fish off because they're obviously my favorite two American rock and roll bands. But I'm trying to make it a little bit more fun for myself, fun for our listeners. So they're off the table. I also got away from the whole classic rock atmosphere. Like everybody likes Credence. Like, you know, like bands like that. Like I didn't, not if you guys pick Credence, I'm like, there's nothing wrong with that. But I just. Kept it personal to myself and um, what I grew up listening to and what inspired me. Okay. So I started looking at the most influential bands of rock and roll, and I went way down the nerd rabbit hole. I, and I like the uh, trying to make the connections with all the different bands and everything, and I realized that nobody's going to give a shit. No, I do. Everything is connected. Um, I decided to take a step back, and I just tried to look at like who's the best. I can um, appreciate that, though. And we were sharing uh, some notes. So, Doug, you wrote down like two pages of bands just as I brain did. dump i did i added like another page and a half of notes and this was really hard i think when we all name ours we haven't shared them ahead of time and when we're done we'll take a minute maybe we'll put together a list of like 20 acts that should have been on the list sure that just didn't make it at some point i was like man i wish we were doing a top 10 each because this is hard this is could be very difficult. It was very hard to pick six bands because we're all musically, our tastes are all over the place. Punk to funk to rock and roll to hip hop to everything that you mentioned earlier. So I guess we kind of settled on like it had to be a band. So that left out some individual artists or that, that was the guideline that we set. Yeah. But if we went off that, if it's you, all good. It's, it's all good. Whatever you want to put in there. If they're in the rock and roll hall of fame, they're on the list. And I think the only artist that we 
just ruled on was Johnny Cash. Yes. When we decided two weeks ago that this is what we were doing, I walked out the door of McCusker's going, he is on my list. But it's all good. We can have a discussion about him another day. I also walked out, and the first thing I Elvis Presley, the king of rock and roll. Yeah. But not in a band. Not in a band. He's not on my list. All right. So some other background. I kind of like how I fell into this was you always hear like the British invasion, the Stones, the Beatles, the Who. But America invented rock and roll. We sure did. And they claim they did it better, too. Almost every genre of rock of music came out of America. Everything from the blues was what went overseas and inspired the Stones. We invented that. I believe the Americans invented the backbeat. Yeah, we are definitely the grandfather of laying that snare drum down, making the sound, dancing around. Like you even get to the Beatles and the Beatles' first band, they were a skiffle band, and that came from America. The Beatles idolized American music. No, we're going to get to that. Yes, I, we are indeed. All right, so I think we're going to go around the horn and all do our top six, and then we'll do our top five, and we'll go so forth. And what do you think the over-under is on how many duplicates we have? I would think... Are, are we going to bet on this? Yeah, sure. Why not? I say there's going to be at least two. I two. agree. Two? All right, I'm going to take the over, and I'm going to say three. All right, so I'm going to write two on here. Ryan, do you want to go first? Yeah. You want to go Ryan, Doug, and me? Yeah, I think I got a good start here. Okay, let's do it. All right, my number six for the week we had, it was a pretty big loss in guitar world and music world. So number six, I thought before he died, it was going to be my number six already. So I'm going to pick Van Halen. Van Halen's my number six best American rock and roll band. Eddie Van Halen changed the guitar. They had to change how music was written the way that he did it. And he did it all himself. I think I think uh, the way he played guitar influenced the whole generation on how to play guitar. It's terrible that he passed away. But one of the silver linings has been there's so much like awesome videos being shared online. Of The Stern Show shared a video of the one guy like really breaking into how he played and the tapping and everything. Like, yeah, like yeah. total, total nerd musician stuff. There's so much good stuff out there that you can dork out on. David Lee Roth Van Halen or... My generation, I'm sorry, I wasn't old enough to be the David Lee Roth years. It was like my MTV... Like, I remember Jump being on, but my years of Van Halen is Sammy Hagar. There's just so many great songs there. They had more hits with Sammy than they did Dave. They were always on the radio, those songs. You know somebody's going to want to kill you for saying that. Everybody like, wants to kill, especially because we say that. I agree yeah, with them. I, I agree, too. I, yeah. I prefer the Sammy Hagar years, That's okay. Too. But it, I asked a good friend of ours years ago. Um, you guys may know him, the Blue Meanie. He's a huge fan. Van Halen fan. He's the one who's been sharing all this. Yeah, great my stuff God. I've dude. been watching on I, Facebook. I wanted to send him flowers because I felt so bad for him. But I asked him, Eddie, Gary Sharon, David. He's like, it doesn't matter. It's all about Eddie. And I think that's true. I think I think it is all about Eddie. The Brown Sound. Have you ever heard of that in the musician world? No, I never heard that. Never, that's what they call the Eddie Van Halen sound, the Brown Sound. Okay. Like with his, the pickups that he used and everything. Sounds like something if yeah. you eat too many hot wings yeah, yeah, yeah. or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Eddie Van Halen, when him and Alex were kids, started playing with Mike and Dave, they would do gigs in small clubs and they were a cover band. So, you know, Eddie Van Halen, he invented a new way of playing, like Ryan was saying, like he invented that tapping thing. So at Alex, like me and Ryan are, are brothers and we're in the same band for a million years together, like different bands. And... Alex would say to Eddie, when he would do his solos, turn around. Don't let the crowd see you how you do So somebody can steal that from you. That's yours. Don't let anybody steal from you. So he did that for a long time. You know, kept everybody in the dark how he uh, 
how he how he pulled it off, which is absolutely amazing. Is he like? I mean, he's one of the best guitarists since we've been alive. Absolutely. Trying Before to think I was of alive. anybody that's been revolutionary, you know, that inventive, that creative, that different. The only dude I could even think of that came close was like Tom Morello for Raising Against the Machine. Sure. I've seen him a couple times in different bands. Yeah. And I've just been like, how the hell does that dude make that sound come out of that guitar? But then you get to like Jimi Hendrix and then you get Jimmy Page. Is Eddie Van Halen better or as good or as inventive as those guys? I guess he's building on what those guys did. Let's talk about his instrument. Frankenstein? Yeah, it's the difference between all of those bands is that Eddie, when he was growing up, they're two kids from the Netherlands, and they were so poor when they came to America, is that Eddie had to make his own equipment. They were really poor. He couldn't go out and get effects or wah-wah pedals. What he did, he went down to, to the music store, bought Fender Body and a Les Paul neck, and glued them together. He... Messed around with pickups and did them in acid. Yeah, I heard he was one of the first people to use the whammy bar in the guitar, too. And I tried to think back at it. I'm like, I don't remember a whole lot of people ever using the whammy bar. He made it his voice. Did you ever see them live? Did you see Van Oh, I saw them a lot. Have you? Yeah, I saw them a lot. Doug, have you? Oh, yeah. I haven't. All the listeners out there, if somebody you like is coming around in concert and you're on the fence, just go. Go. Just because you never know when that's your last chance. I wish I went and saw the last tour with Van Halen, with David Lee Roth, but they didn't have Michael Anthony. So I was like, I really don't think I could go. You know, nothing against Wolfgang. God bless the kid. He's a Van Halen. He's a Van Halen. Right. And there you go. Just what Eddie Van Halen did for rock and roll guitar and for the change into that L.A. sound, just that California rock and roll, happy, good luck in town sound. My wife and I have a handful of bands that we've gone and seen just, oh, they're coming. Screw it. Let's just go because and I can't think of one that I saw that I regret seeing. You have to go because like Bruce said, you don't know when they're going to go. Yeah. If you're into music, man, that, that is see everybody you can when they start having concerts again just start going to see yeah. everybody you can i went to the smithsonian a couple of years ago you know in the room where they have dorothy's shoes and um kermit the frog and fonzie's leather jacket they had frankenfender in there it wasn't the actual original one it was a replica that he made that he used on one of the tours with dave and they had it in this glass case and i'm kind of walking behind the thing because i want to see like the reflectors on the sure. back and the security guards like sir i'm like yeah yeah i'm only gonna be a second then i went back and i took like a picture of it and it just blew like just every like, like look at the threat like, boy dude no like cigarette marks on the thing and it was an exact replica like it was an amazing thing to see even if it was a replica he played it they made about 300 replicas about 10, 15 years ago that Eddie was involved in. And there's a couple of guitars. Just you see it and you know whose guitar it is. Sure. And that, that is one of the most iconic, yeah, red, the, white the and black, red, white, yeah. and black. I think people talk about rock and roll and guitar solos in rock and roll. You know, a lot of people don't know that Eddie Van Halen's playing on Michael Jackson's Beat It. Beat It. And that solo is sharp as a knife. I heard this morning somebody, it was on YouTube or Facebook, somebody shared it was like that solo isolated. Oh, it's brilliant. And you're just like, holy The screeching of it. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's awesome. And he told Michael Jackson that he changed some of his song. Like, Michael Jackson was like, forever great. I'm not sure what part. he didn't pay him. (laughs) He didn't pay him anything. He didn't get credit for it. But he went in voluntarily and just changed Michael Jackson's song without him knowing it. Yeah, Quincy Jones called him up. He's like, I'll be right over. He said he threw the guitar in the truck without a case and just rode over to Quincy's studio. Goes in there and he's like, the song before it came a hit, Oh, I played on this. Who's going to know I played on this kid's album? And then, bam. How do you think the guys in Van Halen felt? Van Halen, they were like, yo, dude, you should have saved that solo for us. Yeah, right. The guy didn't think that way. 
I mean, we were talking last week about how Motley Crue's music is just fun. David Lee Roth era Van Halen is just fun music. If you want to watch something fun, watch on YouTube Us Fest. It was 30 years ago, 40 years ago, but they come out and they tear it up. They Now, I, you watch that and you're like, if I was alive when David Lee Roth was touring with Van Halen, I'd be a David Lee Roth guy, but I didn't have it. So that's why I say I'm a Sammy guy. But Dave, man, nobody's better than Dave. I went back after the last week. I was just playing some old stuff. I I guess for Unlawful Carnal Knowledge was the one album like yeah. when I was growing up. We saw him on that tour. And the like the sound of the, when he's playing the drill over the guitar at the beginning of Pound Cake. And as soon as I heard that, I was, I'm instantly back to being a teenager in um, like high school. Great album. It was really cool. We saw Sammy a couple of years ago. What's the name of the circle? And Mike Anthony's in it and Jason Bonham's in it. And I don't know the name of his guitar player, but they played Pound Cake. You know, Sammy was in the band when he did it. So they they played that song. And I kind of felt a certain way. And I think I even said to you after yeah, the show. Don't the guy, go out and do this trademark thing. Exactly. Don't do the drill. Like, I thought that was really, that's his. It's a rocking song, no. No, I know. But that's his thing. I, he has every right to do it. No, it's part of the song and I get it. But, Are you talking um, about Chickenfoot, the band? No, no, it's called The Circle. Okay. And they went out, and it was like a Sammy Hagar commercial for Cabo Wabo. Dude, Sammy Hagar is like 72 years old, He dude. looks it. You think so? Uh, I think he looks great. He looks like he has like something skin thing going on. We were supposed to see him this summer with uh, Whitesnake. He still rocks. Yeah, I White think Snake we were probably going to that. Yeah, I'm sure. David Covadero. Yeah, yeah right We on. saw him last year. I've, I've seen him, what, like three times in the last uh, year. <laughs> He's all, he can still I sing. I wouldn't say that a lot on the. Uh, dude, on he, could, he could still sing. He was asking in the crowd if anybody had any weed that they could pass up to him on the stage. It He's was broke. awesome. He, can't he, had afford the it. Jean, he had the jean jacket. He still got the hair, and the dude could still he could still play. He could still sing. Oh, that's funny. All right, cool. So, Doug, you want to give your six? I picked my number six because it was influenced me as a kid. It was just loud rock and roll, the concerts, this, it was just unreal. I picked Kiss. Kiss inspired everybody that was in a heavy metal band. Like, I wrote a list down here who they inspired. They inspired acts like Anthrax, Pantera, White Zombie, Marilyn Manson, Lenny Kravitz, and even Garth Brooks. If you're in around in the 70s, 80s, by the time I started listening to Kiss, they already had the makeup off. And it was the hair band era. And it just... It connected with me. And I, you know, imagine trying to go down a rabbit hole without the internet back when you were a kid and you're just trying to find everything you possibly can cassettes or magazines or this or that. I remember when we were kids, we were so used to the hairband kiss part. Yeah. And we were like, they wore makeup? Yeah. And then they got so much cooler for me. Like, yeah, we, were, we went back and watched all the, the stuff with the makeup. We're like, oh my God, this band got so much cooler. We thought they were cool before, but now they're really cool. I don't like Kiss. <laughs> I know we said we're not going to be the grumpy like old man. I'm like, no, no. a lot of people I, don't like I, Kiss. I, I, I don't like them. I don't get them. I, yeah. I applaud I their... Cons- my line is like, they suck, but at least they've sucked for 30 years. They've been, they've consistent. been consistent. Right. They'll sell you... Anything with their name on it? They're, they br- they're brilliant merchandisers? Out. They are. Okay, I wrote some other facts down here about Kiss because I knew it was going to be a hard sell for gonna- a lot of people. <laughs> You're not going to sell me on this, <laughs> okay. but go ahead. They made 25 albums, four live albums, including that. They sold 110 million albums worldwide. They played over 2,000 shows. Sorry they've been, say- and they've been on their farewell tour for like 30 years. That's all right. right? Get, yeah. them get, get them, them money. Them and Cher have been on their farewell yeah. tour forever. And Motley Crue. That's all right. We'll go. Yeah. I'll keep on going. But you know what? We were just talking about the bands. If they came around, I would be like, yeah, I'll go see them. Because They're fun. For dude. the show. They are the so much fun. Yeah. 
And you know every song that they do. Sure. Going back to Eddie Van Halen. Now, when they were recording Christine 16, Ace Frehley was leaving the band. So Gene Simmons invited Alex and Eddie Van Halen over to the house to record a demo so he can just work on the song, whatever. So Ace heard it. Eddie Van Halen's solo. He's like, well, I'll never be able to play that. So eventually Ace left the band. So Eddie had really had enough of being with David Lee Roth, basically. And he was wanting to leave Van Halen to go play lead guitar player for Kiss. I read that too. And Gene Simmons is like, yeah, you don't want to do that. But can you imagine Eddie coming out and makeup like the Van Halen guitar, like the guitar, but that's his makeup. Seven, seven foot high uh, yeah, platform but shoes. But like having and- the Eddie's the Eddie you know, guitar, the red and the white, that would be his, his makeup. makeup. That would be banging. Okay, so another thing, like you said, they put their face on everything. You can buy a coffin with the kiss on it. You can, you can buy a coffin, but they only made a certain amount of them. And unfortunately... You didn't get one? I didn't get one, too. I didn't I get one, Only two people got them. Only two people got them. Dimebag Dime and his brother. <laughs> Vinnie Paul got one who just passed away last year. Are and they, they really? And both, they both the guys from Pantera? They're buried next like... to each other. And they're buried in a kiss coffin? Both yeah, both of them. Of them. Yeah. shit. And it yeah. plays like Detroit Rock City <laughs> as it goes down. the ground. fireworks Good night! You know, why I put them on my list, another reason, is because they put a fantastic show on. Me and Ryan just saw them, like, maybe two years ago. And it just, I had a smile from ear to ear. It's cheese galore. Everything's blowing up. They spend top dollar, like, from balloons to, like... Balloons. Like, they're condoms, dude. (laughs) With kiss written on the side that they'll sell you outside in the... In the parking lot. Oh, you should see their merch tent. It looks like, what's that, that store? It's like the Hard Rock Cafe. Right. <laughs> yeah, or Spencer's anyway. But, you know, I have to give it to Gene. He is the American dream. He came to this country not knowing anything and became one of the biggest rock and roll stars. I agree with you. Gene's, I was going to bring that up. You know, Gene Simmons, if you had a definition, his background would be, he was born in Israel. His mother was a Holocaust survivor. Her whole family was murdered. And they came over to America and he fell in love with the Beatles and he just started doing music and look at him now. A lot of people don't like him, but I love Gene. I, I, I love he, Gene he's, too. it's right. He's straight from the hip. Yeah. You know, he, he's money 24 hours a day. He wants to make the money. I think he's awesome to his fans, though. He is. Too. I've heard that. When yeah. we met him, yeah, we, we, we were kids. kids when we met him on the Hot in the Shade tour. And he was so nice. He picked Doug and I out because we were small kids yeah. to talk to us and like yeah. sign autographs yeah. and have like, a, a bunch of people. I wish I knew where that autograph was. I have it. I'm sure you do. You I keep do. everything. I yeah. do. I have it. I have it stored away. Mm. My first memory of Gene Simmons is this god-awful 1984 movie, Runaway, when he's the Tom bad Sella. guy. Is it Tom Selleck? Yeah, yeah. The, the robot spiders. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, who is this this dude playing the bad guy? And so I learned later he that was it was scary. Gene Simmons. He well, scared me. In that one film. thing that I learned, he says it happened, so who knows if, what happened. But they offered him, i never seen the movie Flashdance, never seen it in my life, but they offered him the role of being the male lead, which is the love interest. And he turned it down because he said he would ruin his image of being like a demon. That's the one with like the chair, the, the chair with it, the water. Yeah, that's and all the, I know. Oh, yeah. I was, thinking, fe- I was thinking of Saturday Night Fever. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think well, of Gene and the band in the disco. Well, that's why I didn't think it was too far off. Yeah. I, I got those movies mixed yeah. up. I know they're far between, yeah. but but like Ace Frehley inspired every every one of them did. Every did. Peter Chris, you know, but inspired a lot of drummers. Gene, a lot of bass players. But like, Peter Chris studied under Gene Cooper. Am I pronouncing it right? Yeah. Cooper. Yeah. yeah. Cooper. Yeah. That's he amazing. Was, that's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. And uh, 
like big this, band, yeah. like legendary big band yeah. drummer. And, and How does this big band drummer start this rock and roll all night drum beat? Like, you know, I know it's like a basic 4-4 four, four kind mm. of thing, but simple is better. Simple's better. And it's just like, how does this guy, he learns drums playing swing music, mm. and then he joins Kiss. Yeah. <laughs> Kiss never really had much of an effect on the listening audience until they released Alive back in 76, 77, I think it was. And, um, classic. It's classic. If Every, you're going to become a Kiss fan, that's the album. That's the album you should listen to. And I found this out a couple years ago. Wildwood Convention Hall, they recorded some of that album there. The old one, not the new one. That's Yeah, uh, so Kiss, you I, know, like I love the dolls. I love all the cheese. The fireworks. I love the fireworks. I love the fire spitting. The I, love the I love the blood. I love everything about it, and it's a part of who I am, and that's why it's my number six. Okay, that's a, you know, teaser. I like it. I Bruce still, hates it. I still don't like that's them. That's okay. I, I get it, but I... It's but a tough sell. I, We're waiting I, for your turn to come up. But I, <laughs> but I understand where they fit in in the grand scheme of music. Yeah. It's just not my thing. So, yeah, And no. I said at one point I'd love to do an episode on, like, I know we said we're not going to be the grumpy old men complaining. I would love to do something on bands that are widely recognized as being great that you just don't like. Sure. No, there's I've a got a really freaking long list of those. Oh, sure. But, where do we start? So... Mine would be James Taylor. I I, oh, I, I, I agree have, with you uh, on that. I have a deep root. Like I should uh, probably see a shrink from my Crosby hatred of James Taylor. Crosby, Nash too. So. I don't anything like that. All right, so it's my turn. So Yay. my number six is the little old band from Texas, ZZ Top. Okay. Nice. So I will write that down. I don't know why I need to write it down. That's a good pick. pick. That's a great um, pick. I had a couple reasons why. Um, great, let's hear them. First of all, they are the longest-running rock and roll band in the United States without a personnel change. They were founded in 1969. Wow. There's only three of them, so yeah. there's less than, like, you know, there's not five dudes that one could OD. Um, <laughs> they have such an enormous friggin' sound for three dudes. You know, it's like sure. you hear them and you're like, holy. You know it's These guys are animals, yeah. yeah and they were yeah. like, I mean, and they started with that dirty, bluesy sound, but then they almost kind of became cartoon. No, it's amazing how this, like, this band that would never be on MTV now was such an MTV hit. Sure. They the, were like the faces of MTV there right. for a long time. The beards and the, the fuzzy guitars mm-hmm. and Jackets. the spinning guitars yeah. and just and the, the girls mm-hmm. and the um the hot rod. Those songs were hot though too. Yeah. And they had that and again I went down the rabbit hole trying to look at like how do they even make that sound? They had the, like that Billy Gibbons, like that churning, like it's just an iconic, iconic sound. I started writing down like Lagrange, sharp dressed man, tush, cheap sunglasses, legs, give me all your loving. All these songs that are just man. If you are driving down the Jersey Shore and you are taking the back roads, you roll the windows down and you turn that shit up, yeah. and it is just. Oh, and so much of the British invasion was that blues sound, and they were it. That was like America's yeah. response to that. It was like, hey man, we invented this stuff. And we're better than you They saved blues music They opened up the Blues Museum of America They opened it I remember this was back in the 90s. There's a documentary on Netflix called The Little Old Band from Texas. I did watch yeah, that. Yeah, that was great. It's it's like it's fantastic. If, if any of you listeners want to see a really great documentary, it's really good. I am not surprised that you like the ZZ Top thing. It's it's very bluesy, but then it's very like, yeehaw. It, it, yeah, right. I drove over here in my pickup truck. And, yeah, I had to park a half mile away because I can't find it. I keep going back to this. I love trying to understand like the history of music and how it all ties in together. And it's just yeah. like, this is in my notes. If an alien landed on Earth and said, what is this thing called American rock and roll? They are who I would send to the alien. Absolutely. 100%. Totally. In every way. When we were making this list, ZZ Top is on my one of my lists. It's like in my top five when I start making brainstorming these bands. And I think you're absolutely right. ZZ Top is America. You know, it's America. good old. Yeah, America. 
it's in that documentary like when they when they first started going on tour and they were playing that whole Texas thing and it was Texas back then was all like hillbillies and, and they were bringing the livestock yeah out. they were bringing like like cattle <laughs> that's why the you like it cause <laughs> you can set that up in the backyard and have the chickens right, watch it right I have chickens in my backyard <laughs> so I do my own ZZ Top concert what's really funny you know Philadelphia gets a bad rap to begin with so on that tour when they brought all the livestock in years ago a guy I worked with when I had a real job they he told me he went to that show so ZZ Top said they'll never play Philadelphia again because they had the livestock come in so they had like a bull so they had it on this scissor lift so Philadelphia being Philadelphia what do they start doing start throwing stuff <laughs> throwing. at the bull like the beer like the I don't the, doubt it yeah we, so, we boot Santa Claus we throw yeah. frozen batteries so, at other players <laughs> so like I guess Dusty and uh, what was the guitar player's name Billy Gibbons yeah are in this thing and this bull's getting pissed off and they're like just get us down get us down uh, so he, they said that they'll, I can't even they, imagine. they played Philadelphia again. You go of course, yeah, I saw them. But I want to say two years ago, I saw them. I mean, and they're they're old men now. Yeah, they still um, bring it though. I bet yeah. they were. They did a residency at out in Vegas. Vegas, and yeah, it, and it yeah you know, it was very successful. It's funny. We saw them a week after seeing Springsteen. I took my kids to see Springsteen, and Springsteen. Uh, I'm sure I'll be talking about Springsteen a lot. I'm sure on the show. you will. Springsteen played for like four hours. And then we went and saw ZZ Top like the next week, and they played for an hour. And they walked up the stage, and my my youngest son was like, "Oh, maybe they had to go take a nap." Are they <laughs> are they are they a much older than Springsteen? I was like, "No, actually, they're all younger than Bruce Springsteen." But Bruce Springsteen has completely ruined your entire concert going experience for how long he plays. Yeah, sure. That- Thinking of bands too that had cashed in on MTV, mm-hmm. they probably wouldn't have been the hits that they were without they had that ridiculous look. They had an That's image. They works. had a theme. You know, the the, when they're all like, they kind of appear and they're doing like the thumbs up. But they're, they're a visual, at that point, yeah. they're a visual band. They yeah. became a visual band with yeah. M- yeah. MTV. Definitely. I called them cartoons because of their look, but also, Billy Gibbons is a really friggin' great guitar player, yes, too. He Eric Clapton is a really big fan of his. Is he? Yeah. They're a three-piece band. It's very hard to be in a three-piece band and make that sound. Yeah. They're very legendary for, like, they hate each other, and they all have their own separate tour buses, and they're kind of like... Crazy not to. Right. It's like Spaceballs. We're not doing it for money. We're doing it for a (laughs) shit ton of money. (laughs) Like, we'll just figure it out. We'll have the butt, and we'll just keep going. If you're in a band with somebody that long, you definitely need your own bus, your own space. They asked Mick Jagger and Keith Richards, more Keith Richards, they asked them, like, how do you guys stay together so long? They're like, we don't see each other. It's like, get on stage. I heard that they don't even see each other until they hit stage together. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah. So that's all I have on ZZ Top. Yeah, that's a great pick. Yeah, yeah that was great. You want to go your five, Ryan? Yeah, let's go to that. Uh, my number five is Metallica. Metallica is one of my favorite bands of all time. I, I don't even know where to start with them. They sold 110 million albums. That's insane. What metal was before Metallica came around you know, metal was a British thing. There was like a lot of like Iron Maiden, Judas Priest. That was the only genre of music I couldn't, I thought of that wasn't originated in America. And maybe it was, but I was thinking no, Sabbath. I, mean, I like, never thought of it that way. I never did. I never thought about that way, but yeah. I was like, okay. So the they, Brits invented metal? I think that they had a good hand in it, but I think we perfected it. I mean, our bands are... I don't want to take anything from Iron Maiden. I know they're awesome and everything, but none of them are Eddie Van I mean, the big, what, the big four yeah, are all sure. American, right? Yeah. Metallica, Slayer, Anthrax. Anthrax, and Megadeth. Yeah. It's amazing to see these guys through decades. Me and Doug seen them a bunch of times, and... 
You know, when they were wasted all the time, they were pretty bad. Like, I remember going to the free concert they did at... at, Philadelphia? Yeah, in the parking lot. And I was like, man, these guys are done. They just sounded awful. and It was an awful show. Oh, it was free, though. It was free. It was fine. But I just remember saying they're just too, like, messed up. They're definitely on the influence on something. Like, they were totally alcoholic. They were were becoming... (laughs) You know? They were called that for a long time, alcoholic. You know? And, um... I think once they got sober, they became a better band. They helped bring modern heavy metal music into the mainstream, too. I mean, everybody knows Sabbath. Maybe I'm, I'm making this too simple. They just seem like the, I don't know, they're still around. Sure. They're, they're almost like an oldies act at this they're point. They're like the Rolling Stones. They are yeah. the Rolling Stones of our generation. Yeah, of like heavy metal music. Yeah. I think their sound is what's different than the British sound. Metallica's very melodic. They slowed it down a little bit, and they just added such a, an ambience on top of the drums. The drums just have to go. Doom, 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 doom. You don't have. They didn't do that right away. Sure, they had a lot of music that way, but they cut it in half. They slowed it down a little bit and still made it heavier. We were shooting a shit before we before we started this, and you, we were talking about Metallica coming out with like an acoustic show. Mm-hmm. Can other heavy metal bands do that? Can they pull that off? Not many. Not many. Right? Like, they, they did the two album, the S&M, with the orchestra. Which is great. And it was like, ones. I mean, for the version of one that they did with the orchestra was like, it's just, it's awesome. It's- I know you saw the, the first S&M, but yeah. the second, the new one, it, it, it's such a better uh, so, orchestra. So did they, to you, when they cut their hair and they came out like load, reload, no. like that second generation of them, is that? I try to forget about it. I was like, what is going on? But it, you go back to those albums now and like you hear Fuel and you hear no, it's, some of their songs. That song stand up. Yeah, they're good now. But when they when that came out, we were like, what is this? And then they, it's and over. you were like, it's, it's over. over. <laughs> and then they said, hold my beer, here's St. Anger. And you're oh, like, was, oh. Dude, I, I, Once they the start suing the fans, I jumped off boat. I was just really, really put a bad taste in my mouth with the whole Napster thing. But he saw the world changing. He saw it, and somebody had to take the bullet, and you he know it, they're a big enough band that they stood that test of time. They jokingly sued their fans. They didn't go forward to it, but they were like, don't don't download our shit. I felt like that was a point where a lot of people bailed on them. They're like, I did. Lar- Lar- oh, I did. Lars is a shit bag, and I jumped boat for a good almost 10 years, and then we went to the Big Four concert in Yankee Stadium, and they blew it away. But one thing about Metallica, they are very loyal to their fans. There's some Metallica cover band out there, and I forgive me, I for, forget the name of them, but they're pretty popular. So a couple of years ago, their van caught on fire. They lost all their equipment, all their guitars, this, that, blah, blah, Vintage Me- guitars. Vintage guitars. Metallica found out about this and sent it them original instruments, original amps that still work, that were taken care of. And they just gave it to them. Hmm. Yeah, they take care of their fans. I mean, don't download their music for free, but if you burn your van down, you need a couple of instruments. Lars was like, hey, here you go. Here's a couple of drums. I, I always liked them. I, well, I didn't always like them. That's not fair. I always did. When I first heard one, I ran out to the record store and bought Justice for mm-hmm. All. I was, a good, I was like 12 or 13 years old. The bad dudes in high school were wearing the Metallica I, shirts. I remember seeing the kids. And Justice for All and yeah. Ride the Lightning. I, I got into them when the Black Album came out. To sure. me, that, I feel like that's when they really hit like, mainstream. Oh, yeah. And it's really when I started getting into like music, too. And you yeah. know, like Enter Sandman was on the radio or mm-hmm. on the, the video. I don't know. How many times that we're going to talk about bands and you're like, well, the videos. Well, they were the band that didn't have a video for a long time. Funny enough that they made their cult following off bootlegs. Yeah. Like they would trade tapes. Fans would trade tapes all the time through magazines and everything. Before the internet, they'd just be trading tapes and 
burning the same tape over and over and over again. Next thing you know, the album's over in Germany, and they got a following in Germany. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. Hmm. Did you happen to hear their last album, Hardwired Self-Destruct? No, I don't think so. It's great. It's great. I like it. It's it? hands down their best album they've done since the Black Album. Okay. And I'll, I'll, I'll give it a listen. You should. I'll, I think you would like it. Big reason for that is because I got Rob Trujillo in the band. He's, He's great. Like, he brought so... Me and Ryan have this conversation all the time. He brought so much to that band. That guy has so much talent. It's unreal. He came into the band when they got sober and he made them into a better band. And they gave him writing credits. They gave him 16 wow. writing credits. Wow. Where Cliff Burton, you can't say enough about Cliff. He has 11 writing credits. Jason Newstead only has three. They gave him 16. These are guys, these guys you talk about Gene Simmons liking his money and this and that. Oh, blah, Metallica. Blah. Metallica. 16 writing credits. So that tells you something about the talent that he brought to that band. And as a bass player, he is hands down the best bass player in, in the game right now. Hands down. He's a great bass player. For metal, I haven't really stuck my nose in the metal in the last 10 years. If you're not a classic metal band, I don't listen to you. I'm sorry. I really didn't get into the new metal. That was cool 20 years ago. I don't listen to any of this. Korn's a good band. Bruce is rolling his eyes, but I have to give it up to Korn. I still like seeing them. But Metallica is my number five. Okay. They're a great band. You're, I mean, I'm sure said, we'll hear they, from them later again. Heavy metal band that's also become like a, a, a cornerstone of rock and roll. They're, like I said, they're the rolling they stones are. of heavy metal at this point. I was going to say, like, years ago, I said Guns N' Roses will be the rolling stones. Guns N' Roses gave it up. Yeah. yeah. And here's Metallica. You go to the show, you see parents bringing their kids. Sure. About five years ago, we're sitting in the bar, and one comes on. My dad's sitting here. You know, it's like maybe it's a little too early to have one plane. So it's probably like six o'clock at night. So my dad turns around. He turns around. He's like, what is this? I'm like, dude, this is classic rock. You think about it. That song's 20 years. And everybody at the bar is like, yeah, man, this is classic rock. Turn it off. (laughs) But yeah, Metallica number five. I'm sticking with it. That's my story. Cool. All right, Doug, what do you got for number five? All right, number five, I had the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Now, being a bass player, you know, you can't say anything more about Flea that people don't know. If you don't know about it, study about him. He's an absolute genius. He's a prodigy. He started playing the trumpet when he was a kid because his dad was a jazz musician. And just the background of just him alone is an amazing, Uh, amazing story. He is funk. And he's rated number two by Rolling Stone magazine, our favorite thing to bring up. Uh, rated number two, uh, John N. Whistles was number one. And they had Jaco Pastoria as number five. But people don't know who Jaco uh, I guess is. so. It is his Rolling Stone magazine. They're lucky we even got Jaco yeah. in there. Well, he beat Paul McCartney. So, And Paul McCartney's a great bass player. He's a great player, bass also. player. He's a great melody. He great melodies. Okay, so Chili Peppers. They have 12 albums sold. They sold 80 million albums worldwide. They played 2,542 shows, concerts, as of 2019. Flea was rated number two bass player. John Frusanti, he's self-taught, age 10 years old. He quit school at 16. He was in the Chili Peppers by 18. He is, hands down, a very gifted guitar player and responsible for a lot of their hits. Yeah, they put great albums out with him. Like, Under the, the Bridge. The Red Hot Chili Peppers are my number five as well. Oh, and I'm only awesome. bringing that up only yeah. because no, my turn it. is next. Yeah, So, like, let's yeah. just... Let's, yeah. I completely it. agree. They weren't even on my radar. And as I was looking at the brainstorming list, I was like, you know what? Every time their music is on, 
I never turn it off. Uh, unless it it's on, on the radio. Bridge. Unless it's on the bridge. I never need to hear that song ever okay, again. I in love my life. that song. I, they, MTV just forced it down my throat when I was a kid. Some of the stuff that you're saying is the exact same stuff. I was like, Flea, the slap bass style. John Frusciante is a great guitar player, but he doesn't do guitar solos. He's all about writing melodies. Melodies, absolutely. He's, dude, he's, he's a prodigy. They gave the guitar to him when he was 10. And when he left the band and Dave Navarro joined, that was I, nightmare. I, I hate that album. That's I when you guys were working on I, I know we said we're not going to be the grumpy old man. Yeah, no. but that, I liked it. It looked good on paper. It didn't work. Yeah. It was just like, oh, cool. This, uh, this other like really talented guitar player. Yeah. And he tried to pull their, their sound differently yeah. and it just didn't work. John left the band a couple years ago. So their, uh, their last two albums, which this kid, Josh, I, forgive me, I forget his last name. The guy Josh plays on. He's been playing with the band on stage for at least 15 years, I think. And that that guy is great. So a lot of people gave him a lot of crap about, oh, he's, you know, he's no John. Well, here you go. He's John's best friend. He's playing using all his equipment, his guitars and his equipment. And he's been playing with them on stage for years. Now John's coming back into the band, which I recently heard, which I'm very excited yeah. about. They're going to do like another run for like another Grammy. Flea's got to give more money to his charities. And that's another thing I wanted to talk about. He runs these charities like for free music programs for kids that don't, they can't afford it and just show interest. He went back to University of California in 2006, we'll say. And he went back for music composition and jazz trumpet, even though he plays kid. And you know the reason why? There's a lot of things out there that I don't know and I want to know. I just really, really, as a bass player, do I consider him one of my influences playing? Not as a kid, but as an adult, I find myself more and more being intrigued with his sound. Flea did a lot of work on other albums, yeah. too. I read his book this year, Acid for Children. It was, it <laughs> was, it was really a great book. He was a bad kid. Sure, he's just, yeah, he's like the book only goes up to before the Chili Peppers explode. Like they, they were. He had the band when the book was going on, but all the when they became super, super famous, he didn't even get to that part of the book. So there's probably be another book coming out. Blood Sugar Sex Magic was a absolute solid part of my listening rotation as a kid. Sure, as a teenager, yeah. like I had the T-shirt. I mean, and they went like. A band that has kind of like evolved and changed their sound. Are they funk? Are they rock? Are they heavy metal? Are they're they heavy? They, monkey. Like they're, they're constantly in. They're everything. Yeah. They're, and, they are America. They're everything in everything one. Everything that's funky yeah. about America. And I yeah. started like, yeah. this was a great band. Time. We were doing this. Like I put headphones on. I was really listening to them. I was really nerding out. And I was like, man, if you put, like you listen to the bass line yeah. on some of their songs and you pay attention to it, you're just like damn, this is really good. And when they started coming out with like Under the Bridge and Anthony Kiedis said that was like the first song he sang. Yeah, no and he shit. was like, I am not a singer. He is not a singer. <laughs> no, he's well, not. No, he is well, not. But so after that, he worked with a vocal coach and tried to get better. Go back and listen to Breaking the Girl mm-hmm. on Blood oh, Sugar Sex Magic yeah. and then go listen to Snow Heyo or Other Side. Sure. It's night and day how much he's improved as a singer. It has. But have you seen... You've seen them live, right? I have not. No. Again, well, another band that my, my wife was just saying last night. Yeah. She's like, well, how the hell have we never seen them? Forgive me, God, rock and roll fans. He is not a great singer Ugh. at all, especially live. Twice the Chili Peppers them. is about the band. Now, talking about the band, they got one of the coolest guys in rock and roll in his band, Chad Smith. Is hands yes. down. Like these guys are all doing yoga and getting ready for the show. What's he doing? Walking around with a six pack with a holder. He's going hanging out, like doing karaoke with singing Britney Spears songs. He tried out for Spinal Tap when that thing was coming back and he's just slugging beers down there. Like, you know. And he did that thing with Will Ferrell. Oh, that was horrible. Yeah, that was horrible. 
Red Hot Chili Peppers to me, that beginning stuff was great. But when he tried to start singing, yeah, I, he just turned me off. Like especially later on albums, he goes in and out of key so bad. It's it's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. See, I'm the complete opposite. I like yeah. their. I want to go. I love their newer stuff. The scat. Yeah, I, I love that funky stuff. But when he tries to think that so he thinks he could sing, he, I think Rick Rubin's second in his head that he can sing. Yeah. See, I, I'm the complete so opposite. That's, yeah. Yeah. Like, by the way, is hands down great one album. Of my, it's a great album. Great album. Yeah. Their last their last couple albums, everything except one hot minute, which I even wrote yeah. down like that uh, the airplane. Like I, I think I, that's horrible. They still play it, that on the radio. I, I don't know. know why. I'm like, why are they playing this song? Yeah. Do you like the original Red Hot Chili Pepper stuff? You it's like the old like um the Stevie Wonder cover. Uh, um before before there was John Frothy, there was yeah. uh, LL. Yeah, like and the, he's the original guitar player. Like yeah. the that's the old like walking across the street with the sock. Yeah, and they yeah, except yeah. the tube socks. There's like and, the, the one song. If you see me getting high, yeah. knock me down. That's like one of his. They're songs. definitely like the bass was like chunkier than it was more like a funk. Yeah, Parliament psychedelic. Yeah. Uh, Parliament. I just watched a video with George Clinton like in the and he produced one of your albums, George Clinton. Oh, and, did he? Yeah, yeah. I forget what album was. The first guitar player. What was his name? LL something. Oh, they still write songs dedicated to him. I think like the other sides about him. And there's, there's I've read about today. There's quite a few songs. They got a love for each other. That love. is love. They do. They do. They have a love for each other. That's unbreakable. Look at John. This is the third time he left the band. He's yeah, coming right. back. You know, I think he went back to rehab. He probably did. I don't. Who knows? But it's just like the second time he came back. Him and Flea kept in touch, and Flea went over to his house and clean and doing yoga and just playing and creating and flea came over and he's like yeah i i think you should join the band again and john was like yeah i think that's the best idea that possibly good for for me and for us and when they said us they're they're a unit you know i don't i'm not really sure where chad smith fits in all this he's just like again the coolest guy in rock and roll but those guys are just destined to play music together you know i just If any those guys got together and they made a sound and it's and it's funky, yeah, yeah, it's like it's so unique, totally so different than anything else. Yeah, you you come up with your own sound. Only them can do what they do. Yeah, yeah, and again, and they try to do it with other guy, another rock star, and it just didn't work, you know. And Flea played for uh, Jane's Addiction. He also played for Black Flag. Yeah, Flea play. I think he'll go do anything. He's also with. uh, in that movie, The Chase, with Anthony Kiedis yeah, and yes. Henry Rollins, yeah, yeah. which is we're going to be thinking ready, man. <laughs> it's such a with Henry Rollins. It's so terrible, yeah, Henry but uh, it's great. Movie. Henry yeah. Rollins is amazing in that He's movie. Like, we're, we're definitely going to do a mo- uh, an episode on Henry Rollins. Absolutely. So. All right, cool. So that's your number five and my number five. So let's get back to Ryan's number four. Okay, num- my number four. Doug's going to hate this. My number four is The Doors. Ugh. The Doors, man. I mean, I know. How, I, get how can, I get it. They I get it. I up on the Doors a lot know, over he was, years. He he was such an American icon. He made it a whole other side of being the front man. So mysterious. So he was the Lizard King. I don't know sure. what else to say to describe Jim Morrison. The band itself had a, a funky, not a funky. So now I'm still thinking of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> that bluesy, the bluesy thing, blues band with no bottom, lack of bass. You know, it gave it the strange, unique sound. You know, it sounded like a carnival side show organ along with jazz Latin beats. You know, the guitar had this really strange picking to it. Yeah. Robbie Krieger's great. 
Ray Manzarek playing the yeah. the keyboard. I just remember it being like high up in the mix, the the sound like that yeah. piano, keyboard, harpsichord, whatever the hell it was. Yeah, I, I, you called him the Lizard King. Like, I mean, I I have an English degree, and I I took a class. <laughs> I took a class in college on contemporary American poetry, and I had to write a paper on a modern poet, and I tried writing it on a book of his stuff, and I got like halfway through it, and I'm like. I can't freaking do it. No, like, not just, more, it's more his song lyrics. Yeah. I, I'm more of his song, not his like yeah. writing. His song lyrics were very poetic. I did finish that paper. I changed and wrote it on a Henry Rollins book. Okay. Very Instead nice. Of Jane, very nice. Jim Morrison. Yeah. Um, I lighten up a lot over the years with uh, The Doors. I really, I love the, the quote in Almost Famous, where the guy standing there, he's like, Jim Morrison, The Doors... He's a drunken buffoon. Now give me the guess who. At least they have the courage to admit they're drunken buffoons. But um, I within the last year, I really like. I really didn't I mean, like the Doors. Like I just their, their spent music, my whole life. It's you know. sw- it's swung. Their music. Yeah, is I agree. Very swing. I agree. You know, here's like 1968, the summer of love, and the Doors. They're like the opposite. They were psychedelic, but they were the dark side of psychedelic. If you want to think of the 60s, what they were talking about, they were like, no, no peace of love. This Vietnam thing's going on. I struggled with them, so they were on my final, and they didn't they didn't make my list. They were kind of like America's answer to that psychedelic sound. Oh, yeah. Well, along with the Grateful Dead and Jefferson Airplane, and there was that whole scene. But, you know, the doors were from, like, Hollywood, California. Love and lust and decadent. Right, he's like taking his pants off on stage, and you know, he like was an all asshole. That, that, I'm not saying he was yeah. an asshole, um, but what he contribute? No, the band. What the band contribute? Sure, they're just all fabulous musicians. Yeah, I, I don't have anything written down like how many albums they sold or anything like that. They're the Doors. I think, I think they're the Doors. I mean, you can look at the movie. The movie is a good introduction for the Doors. If you never, if you don't have anything to do with the Doors, you don't know anything. Maybe start with the movie. It's very dark. It's one way they made Jim look like a real piece of shit. <laughs> We're trying <laughs> Sorry, to keep kids. it clean, right? Right. But he the, was though. He was. He was a self centered guy. Yeah. Those guys needed him bad to be in that band, and sure. he just act like, oh, I'll show up when I want to show up. But it's not going to stop me from saying that they're one of, one of America's influential bands. I mean, collectively, between the three of us, we're trying to do the 18 greatest acts of all in American history. Absolutely. Yeah. Sure. I have no, I have no argument against they that. They got the tunes. They, I, didn't, they, they didn't make my list, but they pushed, I, they pushed the envelope. But rock on. They went on Ed Sullivan, and you know they said, please don't say this. And Jim like went, <coughs> can you take me higher? <laughs> That's my pick, though. The Doors, Jim Morrison, okay. and the boys. Okay. Doug, what you got? Okay. My number four, I have the Beastie Boys. Now, growing up in the 90s, you know, even in the 80s, I being a kid, I think they were an MTV band. They were the fight for your right for the party, which was really they were making fun of yeah. all that, that scene and everything like that. But here you, got, you have three guys who started in a punk band and then moved into... A hip-hop band and the reason why i put them on my rock and roll because they are rock and roll for everything from like sabotage and a couple really deep tracks that i won't waste everybody's time on but you know they came out with an instrumental album that won a grammy you know that you, album is what it's called le fin du monde or whatever yes. it's called it's really good the one that they won a grammy for was the mix-up and these guys learn okay let me get back into like the beast boys before i get ahead of myself no they started as a punk band so then they did like the first album, then they did Pulse Boutique that really a lot of people didn't get because they were ahead of their time. So then they went in 
and did ill communications or check your head and check your head back to back. They went in, they learned how to play their instruments. They created a sound, which is like hands down one of the most influential things of my time of our time. I would hope so. Not my time. Really? I love the beastie boys. They're, they're a great frat band. No, but you, you got to get deeper into their, their musicianship and what they created musically. And they work with like Bismarck. He's more famous for that one song, but he produced the majority of his albums. Rick Rubin did the beginning of them, but they were also like part of the times. Like in 1996, they helped usher in the internet era by having a website designed during the tour in 1995. No band did that. So they kind of, which a band that's everybody's doing, they started it. They were, they were holding out, they were giving out floppy disks at their show, which was a mistake because everybody started throwing projectiles. Them. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, technology wise they're ahead of it like i've seen a video of them like home movies i i have not read the book and i have not seen the documentary they just made it's on my list of things yeah, to i do. haven't seen it either. it's on my list of things to do on fashion music sabotage like the the, the quirkiness of them you know they it, are funny yeah i mean the videos were great yeah, yeah. yeah the sabotage video still yeah. you can still up. you could just even be like hey ladies yeah. exactly yeah funky yeah everybody and like that. shake your rump that's a, Everybody knows like, the Beastie Boys song. They're definitely party band. Yeah. When we were kids, Doug bought the album. It was one of the first albums I've been allowed to have. To buy, buy, like, it was that and Poison Look with the Cat Dragged In. They're the first two albums that I was allowed to buy. But like, that, the, the Beastie were, Boy album was just so groundbreaking at the time. And Doug was asking me last night, can I put this on this list? Is it rock and roll? I'm like, yeah, it's rock and roll. That first album is very rock and roll. But you don't, you don't think like Check Biggie Your Head. Biggie Smalls or, is in the Rock and Roll Hall yeah. of Fame, so it's all good. But, no, but they absolutely, they're like, rock and roll. Like Check Your Head and Ill Communication. In the 90s, they're my two albums that yeah. really it was like, hip, that was had a part. That was a big hip hop. I, I don't know, man. I don't know. They came in at the right time. They resurfaced. They recreate themselves at the right time when Nirvana just started coming out with the grunge and the, the flannel and the they, skating and this and that. They had a big part of culture. Yeah, they were before all that grunge yeah. stuff. They For a bunch of guys who got up there and just start like have strippers int- on their stage and then become yeah. very respectable. They're very intelligent guys. It's, like MC, Unfortunately, like when MCA died, this guy's got to be okay. The Dalai Lama went to go see him three times when he was like dying. You know, no, of course, I, he gave him a lot of money too. Yeah, you know, I I uh, think Mike D was the best one out of all of them. Yeah, you know, he had that that higher like he yeah. was kicking it, man. Yeah. Go back and listen to some of their um, instrumental stuff. No, I, like, I gave that album to you. I, I remember, and I'm very. He's I'm talking about an album that I gave him, yeah. and then I never <laughs> saw it again. Yeah, yeah, because I loved it. Okay, I'm a bass player. MCA developed into an amazing bass player. Simple is better. And he started working with effects, and which at that time, I never really heard any really band do anything like that. And this is before like the stupid Limp Bizkit and whatever oh, other bands before. I won't even mention. Even even as you're you're sitting there talking, I'm thinking of how many just one line. If I walked in here and went brass monkey, oh, yeah, you sure. know exactly what sure. the hell I'm talking about. Yeah. Or you know, yeah. uh, you got to fight for your right. Like you know exactly, yeah, yeah, what that is. That they're a great pick. Thank you. I think they're they're most they're one of my most original picks. They are my most original pick that I have in here. It is a great pick. Cool. I, they were one of the most violent, yeah, concerts I ever went and saw. I thought there was a few times I thought I was going to die at a concert. That was, that was one of I them. was with you. We were yeah. on the floor and they were in the round. And like I said, it was a frat party. Basically. It was a frat party. And dude, we were so um, 
in there like sardines. The general mission. And they went into sabotage. And it was like, all right, we're all moving left. All right, we're all going it right. And they, like, it was definitely, if like a whole bunch of us fell, we would have, there would have been a the problem. The whole thing would have went mess. sideways. Yeah, it was, it, a mess. it was too many people on the floor. And it, our buddy Mike was sitting like on the first level and he has his seat and everything like that. I remember seeing him, he just like waves to us. <laughs> like, he's like, good luck with that. Oh, that was a bad experience. It was a great experience and a bad experience. I really thought I was going to die. I wish I got an opportunity to see them again, but unfortunately. Again, another band I've never seen. And I I, yeah. I think other than you guys, I've been to more concerts than most people I know. Sure. And I've only seen one of these bands so far. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So, we lived right here, though. Yeah, so, we, we, lived, yeah. we lived walking blocks, distance. Blocks away from the stadium. Yeah. We were spoiled brats growing up. We, we would just walk down to the spectrum. Who's playing tonight? You know? We saw a lot of shows, like, buy tickets that day and got great seats. We good with the BC Boys? Yeah, I think I covered old base. Yeah, boy. My number four is Aerosmith. Awesome. So, and I was, this was another band that wasn't on my radar until I really started thinking about it. No, they're great. And then Pump was the first album I ever bought. Great album. I, I bought it on cassette. First album I ever bought. I didn't have a whole lot of exposure to their music before permanent vacation okay and when i picked them i went back and really dove into like toys in the attic oh, and toys and sure. rocks and and the only thing i could compare it to was being a fan of new acdc and then at one point somebody gave me every cd that bon scott did yeah and i, I fired him up and i was like holy shit it's a completely different sound and it's great i felt like that with early aerosmith steven tyler joe perry are the greatest writing team next to Lennon and McCartney. They they are the toxic twins, man. Right. We the Brits have the Glimmer twins with uh, Jagger and Richards, and they're they're our version of it. So my first note in here was they're our iconic rock and roll band that has stood the test of time and made relevant music over decades. Uh, I've seen Aerosmith in different decades, and they they bring it every time. Like and, they they really do. I mean, I wrote down that they have influ- they've been influenced by everybody who came before them, and they've influenced everybody who came after sure. them. And there's so many of the different eras where there was the drug era, the 70s. They're a bar band. They're the, sure. you, know, you go in to shoot pool somewhere, and they're just, they're just shredding on the stage. And then they got clean, and they had permanent vacation and pump, and it yeah. was just like hits. And in the 90s, were like, I think they got really soft with the Armageddon soundtrack. And I, oh, that, well, they made a lot of money. Like, and they, they, didn't write, made a lot they didn't of money write that song. song. They didn't write that song. They they didn't write many songs after Pump. They, well, they, had, they had a lot of help writing songs, which is great. Desmond Child wrote yeah. a bunch of songs with them. He's a great, great lyricist. I read Joe Perry's book that last summer, and it's really good. Man, he really puts down Steven Tyler. Like he just, uh, they're another, like, they two just guys go at each stuff. other. Right. I, he, just the, those two, just those two guys talking back to each other. It's like Abbott Costello. <laughs> it's, it's Steve Howe's like, <laughs> Joe Perry's like, oh my God, this guy's just all the time. And the, the scarfs around the mic stand, like, if you, if you, 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 like you know what that is yeah. if you see yeah. it. 
Walk This Way with Run DMC was that was like the beginning of that all that beginning. all that crossover stuff. They were always like one of the first bands to try something new. Sure, yeah. They had a video game before anybody had yeah, a video did. game. Yeah, they had a Disney ride. Yeah, you know, yeah. Before anybody, yeah. it's still there. Going they, back they, to definitely great American band. Going back to like the nineties, not a grunge band, not this. Aerosmith, Get a Grip. What other pop rock album was bigger than that album? You had Crying on that album. You had Living on the Edge on that album you had uh, crazy crazy you, you had that, that amazing crazy their, video, right, yeah. their videos were huge they, i mean it was a little yeah. weird that he had his daughter yeah get the strip dance but from alicia she, silverstone but she, but i thought it was did great. impersonation of him you know it was, it was sexy yeah but in my opinion get a grip that wasn't like a grunge or hip-hop or violent like a, you want to talk about a good party album that everybody bought it was I, definitely part of everybody's CD collection. Yeah, I put on the. Um, I went back and listened to Nine Lives from like '97. Yeah, I listened. Was that and pink. I was like the hole in my soul. Yeah. The yeah, uh, falling in love is harder than knees. Yeah. and that was the year that they got into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. The opening beat of the opening track is just um, like he just does this like the Steven Tyler shriek that I won't even try to do because <laughs> wow. people are going to be listening to us. It's just heavy and it's like those moments. And it's like, dude, that is like. You stomp on the gas when you hear that. God. Yeah, let's go. I'm a big fan of 70s Aerosmith. Yeah. Um, it's great. Toys in the Attic def- was one of my first Aerosmith 70s albums. I had Pump, and then I went back and, and got Toys in the Attic. And it really, at a young age, hit me in a bluesy kind of rock way. I didn't listen to a lot of their older stuff. And when I started diving into it recently, Toys in the Attic, Back in the Saddle, I like Mama Kin, I was like, Eat the Rich. This stuff is all fantastic. They yeah, were like the Guns N' Roses, like Guns N' Roses of our generation, like that dirty rock and roll. That that was Aerosmith. They were like, if you walked into here and they were, they they could be sitting in the corner playing in any any bar, any any neighborhood dude, dive bar across America. Did you ever listen to Rocks? That's their best seventies album. Okay, put that on your list. All right, it's a great album. It's it's down and dirty, Aerosmith. They were still like drugging around, you know, so they were writing edgy songs instead of love songs. Yeah. You know, but Aerosmith's a great pick. But Aerosmith, Ryan brought it up to me before the COVID happened. Like, Aerosmith was going to have their 50th anniversary yeah. concert. Where was it going to be? Aerosmith was having their 50th anniversary concert at Fenway. At Fenway. And I was like, oh, really, man? I don't really want to go see Aerosmith again. And I was like, no, we are going. We were going to go see them in Atlantic City last year. Yeah. And the tickets were like, Three hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah. But know, they see, want their money. Coke is expensive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but to, to go see Aerosmith and Fenway for I'm like, yeah, I'd pay the money and I take the trip and I'm with Ryan, so we're gonna have a good time. It would have. Oh, that would have been such a good time. Yeah. And another one of those like with the concert, go see them because you're they're not yeah. they're, they're around they're old and you're losing a year. Everybody you should know? take this COVID thing for you know. Yeah, and I think they have one experience. of the. I think they have one of the most underrated guitar players in rock and roll. Brad Wilford. Sure. That guy is a monster. And nobody ever gives him any love. So, Brad, if you're listening, I'm giving you mad love. But again, they've been together for a million years. They have more drama than you can think of. Steven Tyler on American Idol, that rubbed me the wrong way. So That was great. Yeah. Good for him. I I guess so. He's still relevant. But then then they they got rid of him. Then Joe Perry's like, oh, you're too focused on this TV show, so we're not going to 
well, do anything. For me, it was a little bit too much. Was when he was doing Burger King commercials. Was he in a Burger King? Commercial? He was in a Burger King commercial, selling like chicken fries or whatever sure. the hell they had at that time. He's trying to cash in before it's too you late. You see the commercials or the pictures of him now, and you're like, oh, he looks like somebody's old. Crazy. Jennifer Aniston went on like had yeah. one too many. Yeah. Uh, I the, just I just listened. I just watched him on Joe man. Rogan the other night, and he's a great interview. He just whatever he's talking with, and just like see him how he's so into talking to whoever he he's, he's he's been on like Howard Stern a lot. Yeah, and he's great just talking about like music, yeah. and he'll be like, "Yeah, dude, we don't we don't even try to write lyrics if it just gets me to go." Blah, 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 blah. And that's what I do because it just it just fits yeah. the beat, and that's what we're doing. I have a friend. I have a friend that works down at the stagehand. Growing up at the Spectrum, he worked down there. And he said one of the nicest guys out of all music he ever met was Steven Tyler. Huh. Like, he wanted to know what your name. He wanted to know what you did kind of thing. And he came to town next time. And he, he like, remembered you. Who is? He's just a really personal guy. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the list of hits, too. I mean, I every one of these that we had, I wrote down notable songs. And I think they had the longest one out of everybody. Dude looks like a lady. Rag doll. Angel. Decades. Got a gun, sure, decades. Living on the edge. Yeah. The other side. Crying. Amazing. Don't want to miss a thing. Sweet emote is on and on. And on. just different eras. And it they was, did the Run DMC yeah. thing. So. Groundbreaking. I think that was my first taste of Aerosmith is with Run DMC on MTV. And then not too long after that, Rag doll came out. And I was like, ugh, this band. Isn't and, a, and then you've realized that you know, they're singing, like, Dude Looks Like a Lady. Is that supposed to be about Motley Crue? It's supposed to be about Vince Neil. Vince Neil? That's what yeah. I thought, yeah. That was it. Yeah. 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 I yeah. think I heard that before. Yeah. I definitely heard that before. I love Aerosmith. I always yeah. have. They are um, they are an American rock and roll sure. band. They're still doing it. All right. So let's take a break. Let's do a little bit of a commercial, and we'll come back, and we'll pick it up with our on the second half with our top three. This episode of the Prisoners of Rock and Roll is brought to you by McCusker's Tavern, located at 17th and Shunk Streets in South Philadelphia. McCusker's Tavern has been in business for more than 50 years, making it the oldest bar west of Broad Street and a city known for its neighborhood watering holes. Minutes from the sports stadium, McCusker's is a great place to stop in for a few beers before or after a game or a concert. There's a reason why everyone from Philadelphia Magazine to Playboy have ranked it as one of the best dive bars in the city. Music is such an important part of McCusker's Tavern that we're actually recording this episode from there right now. They're currently closed due to the pandemic, but miss everyone and hope to see them soon. In the meantime, check them out on Facebook. That's McCusker's Tavern. All right, we are back. I'm going to open another PBR. Nice. And we are getting into the top three. So this is where the, the good stuff starts, right? We were just saying we had a little break, and I was we were all saying how we were holding back on some of the bands that were picked in each other, our top. Didn't want to keep blowing each other up. And yeah, I had a few things to say, but you know, no, I didn't want to say it on the air. You should have let it fly. No, I don't want to be yeah. that. All right. You know, I don't want to be that guy. That's why I like you. Go guys on the Muppets. You're a glass half full kind of person. Yeah, I'll so. just talk shit after everything's over. Okay. All right, well, let's, let's hear your number three, and we'll, we'll talk shit about that. All right. My number three, Buddy Holly and the Crickets. Number three for me. The Crickets sold five billion records before <laughs> Buddy Holly died. <laughs> five billion? Five billion records before he died. Oh, I thought you just made that up. <laughs> No. So like they sold a zillion, billion, trillion, <laughs> yeah. gazillion records. No. Five billion records he sold before he died. How's that possible? From 52 to 59, he recorded 85 songs in his short career. He influenced a lot of bands. Before he died, he was 22 years old. He was already in the UK. He was already in Australia. 
He was all, all over the world. When he traveled to England, he was on the BBC, and there was two young guys l- watching and wanted to form a band, and John and Paul. They looked at Buddy Holly, and they said, look, John, he has glasses just like you. You can totally be a rock star just like Buddy Holly. The Crickets got their name. Or the, the Beatles, the Beatles said, yeah. took their yeah. name from, yeah. as an homage to the Crickets. Yeah. yeah, it was along with they couldn't find a cricket in their recording studio. It was a... Uh, distracting them and buddy kept on hearing it and hearing it and they had to stop and they went through the chicken wire and everything they did the good old boys record with that down there and they found the, the cricket they were like let's call it the cricket um yeah there's one of their songs they said you can you can hear it chirping in the oh, in yeah. the back in the background his first song he did um that'll be the day was just a demo it was so hot the, the producers were like, go, go put this out now. He's like, no, that's just my demo. They didn't even ask him to play it on, on the radio. They just, we don't even know who this is, but here it is. Very influential. After he died, the Rolling Stone had a hit with Fade Away. The Dead, right? Yeah, that's a, that's the a Dead core does the Fade dead. Away also. Springsteen had a, had a big cover of that in the 70s. He yeah. played it a lot. Buddy Holly is the definition of rock and roll for that era. Like, okay, you got Elvis Presley, you got Jerry Lee Lewis, and then you have Buddy Holly. Buddy Holly brought... He just, wrote his own songs. He wrote his own songs. Just the engineering thing. You talk about, he Eddie, Van Hal- you talk about Eddie Van Halen, Les Paul, and this and that. Buddy Holly created a lot of stuff. He recorded a lot of stuff. He produced a lot yeah. of his own stuff, yeah. too. He He's had a, genius. a vision. And- Absolutely genius. A couple of years ago, or I'm sorry, not a couple of years ago, before the COVID, there was this traveling hologram show. And I was, you know, did you I, go? No, I wanted to go. I brought up the Ryan. The, it wasn't cheap to go. It was really expensive. It was in Collingswood. Yeah, it was like across, yeah. It, at that theater, I would like to go into that theater, and it was just like it was like him and Roy Orbison. Yeah, yeah. Not for a hundred yeah, bucks though. No, but it was just like, oh man, this would have been super cool to see because I've always been a big fan, and how could you not be? You know, he created like Rocker Bobby Socks, man. Like the day the music died, you know, well, the songs were the thing. Down. If you. If you know that you ever listen to that song, Don McLean's song, American Pie, is about Buddy Holly, Richie Valles, and the Big Bopper dying on December 31st, 1959. They were in a plane crash, and it it's the day the music died, literally. That was the first tragic Tragedy. moment in American mm-hmm. rock and roll. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how much music did we get deprived of by that dude dying at 22 years old? Uh, sure. You know, like how much, how influential he was. In such a short amount of time. Sure. He he was very groundbreaking for being so young that he was. And he, he just had something about him, you know. Uh, he's so dorky and nerdy. I think but he's cooler sure. than you. He's oh, cooler than all. He's cooler. Of us. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think Weezer kind of stole yeah, his gig. I, yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, I like the, Weezer. Now they can go jump off the cliff. So obviously. what year did he die? He died in he died in nineteen fifty nine. 1959. Yeah. So okay. this is before the Beatles. This it, is before the Rolling Stones. And that whole story, too, around like how he, like what happened that night. So he were on, they were on that, um, the Winter Dance Party tour, and they called it the tour from hell. Yeah. Sure. Because they were like, on the bus. Yeah. We'll go here. We'll go here. Yeah. We'll go. And it was like this bumpy, you know, like 1950s bus. And but it was lot- like, Waylon Jennings, yeah, like, yeah, they flipped a coin to who was going to get on the on the Waylon yeah. Jennings. Waylon said, "I hope your plane crashes." Yeah, yeah, and he said he Holy never shit. And even like, I mean, the Big Bopper kind of gets written off. Well, like he was the, just the radio DJ at the moment, and he had a hit. He was he was like the older. He was an older. Yeah, he dude. was an older dude. But you know what, man? Like, I I had one day that I put on some of his stuff on Spotify, Chantilly and I Lace. went I went pretty far down the rabbit hole. I couldn't. If you told me you would. 
I would win the publisher's clearinghouse if I could name three songs by the Big Bopper. Sure. I couldn't do it. Yeah. No, I couldn't do but it. But I went down the rabbit hole with the stuff, and I was like, yeah, there was some cool stuff there no, that just, he definitely had just a been lost. Mm-hmm. He had a and, gimmick. It was and, great. And Richie Valens was, what, he was 17 when he yeah, died. Yeah. I thought he might have been a little bit older than that. But he died in, like, okay, so Buddy Holly died in 59, you said? Buddy Holly died December 31st, 1959. Okay, so like, let's look at the shock of America. When it happens, because like America was very, uh, you know, cradled at that point, at that like, time, at that time, and then after that, Kennedy gets shot, and that kind of changed the world, also, or it like, happened before. Five, six years later. On. Five, yeah, but this is all before like this the Beatles. Is, this is before uh, Innocence died. The yeah. end of the Innocence was when you know. But it's just like what the world changed so much from 1959. When did the Beatles come over? 1962. 1964. 64. You know, look. You know, look how much music changed for that. And Buddy Holly had a huge influence on that change. On everybody, I think if you put a Buddy Holly song onto a garage band, so they pick two of these songs and play, they could find the two songs. When the Beatles played the Ed Sullivan Theater, which is like one of the most iconic mm-hmm. live performances of all time, they said that they, when they got on the stage and they played a song and then they went to commercial break, they turned to Ed Sullivan and were like. This is where Buddy Holly played, right? Yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. Know, like, yeah. and you can see, like, there's they, there's videos on YouTube of them playing on that Ed Sullivan Theater, and it's just they're geeking out. It's it's just awesome. <laughs> it's just so cool. Yeah, like, Buddy the, Holly, the nerdiness and the yeah, it's simple music. Peggy Sue might have thirty different words in the entire song. Yeah, yeah. Sure. The lyrics are so simple. Sure. They rock and roll. You don't get more rock and roll than that. If you want to sit home one night and watch, you ever watch the Buddy Holly story? Yeah, with Gary Busey. Man, he's so good in that movie. I mean, he's better than the movie. Yeah, I mean, his, sure. yeah. His acting. Was he was way the first. They the were the movie. first white band to ever play the Apollo Theater. Right? Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, in the movie, yeah, right? They, yeah, they, yeah. And, they walked out and they were like, "You better play something good, boy." Well, that's like funny. Like Gary Busey played Buddy Holly in the movie. Gary Busey bought a pair of Buddy Holly glasses. Like I, that saw, I saw Marcinio Hall clip the other night that he had those glasses on. Yeah. I heard this whole story about those glasses. So he, he died in the plane crash, and his glasses just kind of, like, disappeared. Mm-hmm. They probably shattered. And no, pieces. they, like, somebody found them. They put them in a drawer, like a sheriff put him in a courthouse, and it, the box was, like, mislabeled, and they found them in, like, 1980. Wow. wow. And they were like, holy shit, we found... They were, they, they were with, um, I think it was the Big Bopper's like watch, and his watch was still ticking. Ugh. I think I've heard that before. I heard that and they before. Went to give yeah. his, they went to give the glasses back to his... His parents and his widow wound up suing each other in court wow. over the glasses, and the widow had them, and she donated them. There's a Buddy Holly Center in Lubbock, Texas. Yeah, I saw that. It. That's yeah. where they're, they're on display. But the fact that there was like survive that terrible plane crash sure. is just like his glasses are one of the most like iconic like 50s yeah thing. just the glasses if you right. go out to the crash site there is a little memorial thing and to to see where it's at there's a pair of black yeah black there's like on a, on a stand like yeah. a little yeah yeah I which was a very crazy thing that i saw on a documentary about that crash is they found a gun and they were saying maybe the gun went off accidentally and shot. <laughs> no, I've never and, heard that. And shot shot the pilot, and it was, went down. Or I heard mm. also like Buddy was like, "Oh, let me fly the plane for a while." Oh yeah, good old boy, get up here and fly the plane. 
No, I heard that. I've never story. heard that either. That, it was a really bad blizzard too. They were flying. Yeah. They're they were crazy to weather. do that. I'm very intrigued with the Billy Buddy Holly story. We go on vacations. Me and Ryan go on vacations, like just to go. Like usually it's a concert or the Rock and Roll Fame or this or that. Ryan said to me not too long ago, "Man, we should really go out to where they crashed and go to a pilgrimage. Go, go for a pilgrimage." And the um, the theater that they still that this last show at they still have shows there. Yeah, I, I can't. Like, I don't remember the name of it, but that would be something dynamite to go do. Go see, go see a show there. Yeah. You know, hopefully, you know, something like, period at that period. You know, I, I before I get on a plane, I sit down, <laughs> yeah, and I, I go, Pegasus, yep, Pegasus, playing the Buddy Holly to get me to my point A to point B. One time, I was on a plane with Anne, my girlfriend Anna. And the turbulence started going off, so I started singing La Bamba. She's like, will you stop it? <laughs> so. Cool. As Bruce says. That, yeah, that's, I would have to say, Buddy Holly. That's yeah, a I great, agree with that's, that's a, a great That's pick. a great pick. Thank you. All right, Doug, what you got? Number three. Number three, I had Metallica. So Metallica, big influence on, again, their, our generation of the Rolling Stones. and They're can't... one of the greatest bands, American bands. One thing to go back on that, we didn't get to talk about Metallica really fast. Uh, Kirk Hammett. Right after he recorded "Kill Them All," he went and took guitar lessons from Joe Satriani. That's that's a major major play. So here's and, a band. Satriani <clears throat> is a dude. To, if you're not really in the music, you have no yeah, idea, idea who he is. is yeah, yeah. But if you're not he, a, yeah, if you're not like he's way flirted into guitar. in this episode twice now yeah. that I was mentioned, like Chickenfoot, the sure. band with uh, yeah, yeah, he's the, in with yeah. Hagar. He's yeah. in that with with Chad Smith from the Red Hot Chili yeah. Peppers. Yeah, yeah, Hagar. Satriani. Michael Anthony, yeah. Satriani, and Chad Smith, and then that band and then did now. really well. It was a, it was a yeah. decent album. Was it? Yeah, yeah. I just always think uh, Joe Satriani's good by himself and not with a band. It's hard for me to, to try to hear him do hooks. It's a little much. It's like yeah. um, what's that? Wingy Yingy Mouse theme. Like, like, yeah. like there's some dude that like there's are so. So like I'm too stupid to understand and appreciate the music. Like, <laughs> like you're too good. My brain just can't even understand it. But like with Metallica, one thing. What I'm saying with that statement with Kirk Hammett, I believe that especially more now than ever that this band is not even close to stopping, and they're going to get better and better and better again with Rob in the band. There's rumors that they're going to have an album out in the next year and a half, and I can't wait to hear it no. because their last album, Hardwire. If you have not listened to it. Listen to it. It's their best album they made since the Black Album. And a lot of people don't like the Black Album. Well, I think they're a bunch of posers anyway. Who, Metallica? No, the people who say um, they don't like the Black Album. Yeah. Is that the album when, like, people, the dudes that wore the jean jackets and the Kill Em All shirt, like, that, totally. that is that when Metallica got soft, like, Unforgiven? And yeah, all? yeah. And, yeah. And, like, everybody was crying because they lost their edge. They wrote, like, Nothing Else Matters. Oh, uh, remember how everybody was like, oh my God, they wrote a ballad. You know what I took harder? When they wrote a country song. They wrote a country song on like one of the, the Fuel or Load or one of these albums, and I was like, "What is this?" Yeah, they had a lot Bruce of bad smiling. ideas. <laughs> like, they had a lot. Of, no, they like, drank what, a lot. Why do you got to <laughs> yeah. put them in a box? Like, if they want to do something yeah, different, no, like and they they can. I know? think I just think maybe they, for a good ten years they had the wrong people around them. Sure, I thought they stuck with Bob Rock way too long. Absolutely, Bob Rock produced the Black Album. They let him load, play bass, reload, dude. Beat. The, the monster whatever album yeah you might you mentioned that in the last they let him play in the bass. motley crew out episode i hope he didn't get royalties for that just no. like double dipping you know because james hetfield didn't want to work with him anymore like he was tired of you did it all with him he, he was tired of him like making him do things yeah create like you can only go so far creativity with how many albums did he do with him you can only go so far bringing fresh fresh blood but, his sound. but they did but they did an album with rick rubin 
and Rick was trying to get his name taken off the album. Because Kirk Hammett said he didn't even work on the album. He said he'd come in, yeah, lay on the couch. Yeah, I hear a lot of bad things about and Rick that's Rubin. It. He's he's just a like this dude that sits on it, lays on the couch, and you know somebody passes him a bong, and he hits it, and he just listens, and then it's he like, leaves. Oh, you don't see him for good, like another six months. You're doing a good job. Make it make yeah. it more exciting. Yeah, Metallica. Every time I see them, they bring it. I have a tattoo, Metallica tattoo. Yep. I know what you're saying. Uh, they were on my list earlier in the in the show. Lars Ulrich, great drummer. You always said he's your Michael Jordan. He is my Michael Jordan. When I first heard one as a kid, I was like, "What is that double bass pedal?" I was like, "Only a magic dude could do that," you know. And as I got older, I, I learned the technique, and I still can't do it. And like even like you think of the music that you're listening to, like when you discover Metallica, you're still like in that hair band '80s thing. Who's really playing like? double bass like that you never heard any like you never heard never anything heard like it. that no, like it, you never listened to slayer at that point you never listened to like exodus or no at 13 years yeah. old and hearing one yeah and the rest of the justice for album was totally opening my mind yeah. to a lot of things and by the time the black album came out i was like oh this is pretty soft compared yeah to that that justice for all album but then you know let's talk about master of puppets and how how that is just a work of art sure from the beginning Cliff. of the album to the end of the album, Cliff Burton can't say enough about how much he brought music theory into that band. He he was he did, and he brought that to James. He showed James Hetfield music theory. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Like Cliff Burton is up on my list of bass players and just magic. One guy possessed and comes from a great background, great great family. You know, his dad just passed away a couple of years or last year, and. He, he just appeared to be such a he's great, very he's very proud of his son very proud of his son and you know like you're banging your head cliff you know you're playing this metal music and this and that and he'd go home and listen to mozart yeah <laughs> be like yeah and cliff burn just came from a great support system and by the end of he was getting he was a big rem fan cliff burton was cliff burton was a big <sighs> rem fan i, I remember fan. reading an article and he said i think it was kurt he said yeah i remember standing at the payphone somewhere in overseas and he wanted to call his his friend because he knew he was going to the rem show and he wanted to see what show what songs were played and he was he was a really big fan of never heard that yeah and that's just shocking i know that's really such a bad they're horrible they they are i hope you don't have them on your list bruce bruce i know they were on um i don't know something i was researching this and i i was googling like greatest american rock and roll band it might have been the guardian or it was some british newspaper called them the greatest american rock and roll band of all time and they REM? yeah I, I said one of our potential shows would be what's the first show you've ever seen what was the last show you saw what's the best so- show you saw mm. and the worst show you saw and sorry listeners REM is the worst concert sure. I've ever seen. They're the worst band yeah, hands ever. Down. Yeah. Hands down. Yeah. Hands down. I hate Michael Stipes. Remember that year he was on the MTV Awards and he took off, every time they won an award for losing my religion, he had a different shirt on, like AIDS awareness, homeless awareness. Oh, yeah. like, and that's, I like that song a lot. That album, I the, really was enjoyed. That Monster? No, was that? it was um, Out of Time. Okay. Monster was the, the show, I the tour. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. I don't, no, yeah, yeah. I don't want to be yeah, the grumpy old man, but I was like, right, we're going to stop now and do another episode on an hour and a half of why REM sucks. Uh, where do I start? Yeah. Let's start with the drummer. We can, uh, when, when I, when we all die and go to hell and they're playing shiny, happy people. They're just a bunch of the, nerds, man. Yeah. Like, they're just, yeah. They're, yeah. they're just the hipsters yeah. of the hipsters. Yeah. But Cliff Burton liked them, so, like, uh, 
Yeah, nobody's that's perfect. true. Nobody's you can perfect. look it up. You can look nobody's it up. Nobody's perfect. Look where that got him. That's bad. <laughs> wow. That's Making Cliff Burton <laughs> jokes. You can't do that in McCuskers. We got a picture of him right here. We're sitting. My friend Jude painted that picture of Cliff. Hangs up on the wall in McCuskers. All right, come and check it out. Yeah, right now. We're closed. <laughs> we're closed. But we're hanging out at McCusker's. We're having a good time. We miss everybody. We will be back. Come and see us when we open. So my number three is the Ramones. Awesome. They were not a band. They were a cultural movement. Absolutely. There is the holy trinity of punk music. I agree. Mm -hmm. The Clash, the Sex Pistols, and the Ramones. And only one of them is ours. Yeah. Only one of them is American. The Ramones started it all. At At a time when you had yes... And all these progressive bands and their seven-minute songs and their their fine musicianship. The Ramones were singing about sniff and glue. <laughs> they had <laughs> yeah, yeah. they were they sounded amateurish on purpose. Yeah, they sounded like they were not good musicians. They all had that. They weren't. That, they didn't even know how to play their albums on those they, first yeah, records. They right. said they stink. They said it themselves, "We stink." They made an entire career on four chords. They're like, and great. Three chords. and they're iconic right. and. And in the time I finished talking about them, we could have played 37 Ramones sure. songs yeah. in a row. It's I true. remember when I bought their greatest hits album on South Street at Tower Records, and I looked at the side A on the tape. I'm like, holy shit, there's 20 songs on the first right. side. <laughs> they weren't angry. Like, the Sex Pistols were just angry, yeah. f- angry no, they dudes. Gave, they gave punk a bad name, the and Sex the, Pistols. And the, cl- and the Clash was like, uh, the Clash is fantastic. But the Clash is like. But they were also like musically, reggae, like yeah, 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 amazing. They're the smartest band yeah. in rock and roll. Yeah, yeah. We could do a whole thing yeah, on Joe Strummer yeah. and the Clash. Yeah, but but the Ramones were just just a almost like the middle of the whole the road of the punk music, and they the uniform of the black jeans and the black jackets and the hair sure. and the glasses and the uniform. And they were they were never a success. Like they never sold no. many albums. They do a friggin' amazing cover of the Spider-Man yeah. theme. Yeah, yeah, I remember that came yeah, out. Yeah, I remember awesome. that came out. Don't bury me in this pet cemetery yeah, and all pet that. Cemet- I think the only thing those guys could have been was rock stars. They were just four guys that couldn't do anything. They couldn't even play their instruments, but made one of the greatest albums of all time. That's like look at Dee Dee. He's a mess. But like fifty third on third. It's about him doing all that. Yeah, you know he's I a mean, mess. You think of everything that Elvis did. To the culture of rock and roll. The look, yeah. the sound, the image. The Ramones did the exact Bizarre same thing world. for punk like music. Like, it's completely opposite. But they, they had the same influence, but just on, like, if you turn the log over, it's on the other yeah. side. Johnny yeah. was, like, the ran that band. Dee Dee, when the dolls came out, or the dolls were out, and he wanted to start wearing more shiny clothes and glam. And Who, they're Dee like, Dee? Nah. Yeah. yeah. And Johnny was like, nope, this is what we're wearing. And this is your uniform, and you better have it on in every show. And they killed it. They, they had an image. They started a revolution. Yeah. They were exactly what the 70s needed at the yeah. time. They, yeah. Yeah. Would you have the Eagles and yeah, yes, I hate and the those Eagles, bands? <laughs> you and the Big Lebowski. <laughs> they were on my short list. I, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's cool. I'm with you. And the fact that they, they didn't give a shit what they sounded like. No. They didn't care. No. It worked, though. I think and, a, I think a lot of their production in the early was was Marky Ramone, their drummer. Sure, he knew what they wanted it to sound like. He was like, "I got the sound in my head." They don't give him any love though. Dee Dee said that give me a break. That he thinks he's if he thinks he's a big part of the Ramones, he's sadly mistaken. Well, he got that job. He was like working on their album, and like I don't even think he played the drums. 
And no, he, he just played drums on that album. No, he played drums on that album, but he wasn't a, a drummer. Like he was, no, like, you're right. And he just went and look. Well, well, I'll just play. They're auditioning like, drummers. He's like, well, I can play drums better than these guys. That's so. what these guys were. Yeah, none of them knew how to play their instrument. No, I'm not a. I'm not an autograph person at all. I have two people I've ever asked for their autograph in my entire life. One is Springsteen, nice, and the other one I have is Marky Ramone, nice. I got. Marky I have Marky Ramone. Too. I it was at the Trenton Punk Rock Flea Market. We're just walking. We're like, we're going to check it out. That's Marky Ramone. I don't. I don't care if I got to pay forty bucks sure. to, to talk to him for five minutes. Money well spent. I got to hang it in my bar, in my in my pub shed. Yeah, yeah, you know, with the, with, it's just awesome. Yeah, I met him at like at a comic con. I, I I gave him some props, and he was like, "Oh, okay." Yeah, he was. Yeah, <laughs> but that's like one band that I regret, and I'll never see because they're all dead. They are all dead. Well, and it's a bummer. Mar- Marky's still alive. Yeah, but like, yeah. Unless it's some band, kind of cool tribute Ramones band that he did, like kind of like Ringo Starr does, like goes out there and plays a right. drum. And, if they do the uh, yeah. hologram. Yeah, yeah. But do you remember like how many times they came around a year? They were always, it seemed like they were always in Philly. Yeah. The Ramones, they were always here. I was like, hey, you, you know just what? said that. I'll, I'll catch you just said, time. do you remember? And I just thought of, do you remember Rock and Roll High School? Yeah. Like I thought you were starting to do the lyrics. Two interesting things out of them. One was they just, they were the icon of like CBGBs. Sure. In, the, oh, in yeah. New York. The right place, the right and, time, both of them. Yeah, you know, CBGBs is now a John Varvatos clothing store. I've been there. Yeah, and we've I been was, there. I was going through the Newark airport to fly somewhere. Yeah. And it's a restaurant. Yeah. And and my poor wife had to hear me like, stop. I it was almost like in Pulp Fiction when Ving Rames is walking across the street and he stops like, and sees the- it. He's like Motherfucker! <laughs> I probably had to edit this out too, but I was like, "Are you kidding me? Like, this is no. the place that like the Velvet Underground sang heroin, yeah." And now I can go. It's like I can go buy a T-shirt for my kids. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I was it's lucky. a bummer. I was lucky enough that I got to go there when it was still a club. When the Wait. toilet was overflowing, yeah, we, up to I, I got a I got a sharpie marker and tagged everything around and we did. We sorry we 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 were intoxicated. It was the middle of the afternoon. It was like six o'clock. We left the Yankees game. And we went to CBGB's, and yeah. maybe like two, three weeks later, they were closed out of nowhere. Yeah, it was tragic. It was uh, the, tragic. The owner was there when we walked in, and yeah. I didn't I didn't know this until a couple of years ago. Our buddy who we went with, he's like, man, that was, I forgive me, I forget his name. But um, he was there when we walked in, and, and we were there probably like a year before they closed. So me and Ryan and our buddy were like, man, we could throw together a, a punk band. And play this place. You know, our buddy owned the bar. We owned the bar. We could fill like two buses up, go up there, sell out, and just write 15 punk songs in 10 minutes and come home. The Ramones, they're uh, legendary. They're America. I want to say. Just as much as Buddy Holly. I just want to say F. Sid Vicious, D.D. Ramone, baby. My, my last point was, as I was going through their catalog listening, I found a cover of Good Rockin' Tonight, the Elvis song, mm-hmm. that was by Johnny Ramone, D.D. Ramone. And Lemmy from Motorhead was singing on it. Oh, it I it's it's it, amazing. Amazingly good or just... It's amazing. Does okay. it sound like that Saturday Night Live skit with, with singing Christmas carols? Yeah, like, pretty with, much. <laughs> was it uh, Frankenstein, yeah. the mummy? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was. I was like, this is so terrible, but it's so punk rock. It's awesome. But so. uh, his cover of A uh, Beautiful World. Yeah. Dude. Yeah, the Louis Who? Armstrong, Joey Dude, Ramone. great. Who? Joey Ramone. Joey Ramone. Okay, I didn't hear you say Joey Ramone. Yes, yeah, I, I didn't. I said his. But uh, Lemmy. Yeah. Um, but that's 
iconic. It was at the end of uh, Casino, I think it was, or Goodfellas, or one of those. It was at towards the end of his life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like one of the. I remember listening to it on a Christmas Day, and he he died like right before then. I'm like, man, he really hit a home run with this. I think he lived a really lonely. He had a lonely end of his life. Yeah, yeah. I heard that too. It's a shame. All right, so let's move on. We got. Our top two. We are getting near the pinnacle here. Ryan, what do you got for number two? Number two, I think you guys are going to be kind of surprised and ask me why. My number two is the Beach Boys. That's understandable. Let's just name some songs here. Good Vibrations, Help Me Rhonda, Surfing USA, Wouldn't It Be Nice, California Girls, Don't Worry Baby, Barbara Ann, In My Room, and of course, Kokomo. <laughs> John um, Stamos. And John Stamos. You know, they were the California sound. They were before the Beatles, but... They totally uh, took influence from the Beatles. Even they, they were a veteran band. Nobody did harmonies like the Beach Boys. No. Nobody did before. Nobody no. has done after. You can say Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young were really tight three-part harmonies. They're not even close to what the Beach Boys did. Brian Wilson is uh, was one of the greatest producers, band members that you could think of. You ever listen to Pet Sounds? Absolutely. Uh, it's the, a perfect album. Like, front to back, it's an absolutely perfect it's album. unbelievable. And they made that album because of Sgt. Pepper's. He, like, no. Oh, really? No? No. They made that album from Rubber Soul. They oh. heard Rubber Soul, and they were like, holy shit, we got to make a better album than this. So Brian Wilson's like, if you guys want to make a good album, you guys get out of the recording studio and let me make an album. Wasn't that the whole, like, he was in his house and he had, like, sand dumped that on his living room? On. That was, was later, later on. on. When he, he made, was, like, going off the rails? He made Pet Sounds at, at the Capitol Records. They're one of those bands that nobody has ever sounded like them. Did you know it was the Wrecking Crew playing on, on that whole album? Did not. Yeah, they didn't play any of their instruments in the hmm. beginning. They did all the vocals. Like, the Beach yeah. Boys all came yeah. in and yeah. they did the vocals. instrument-wise, they didn't play any of their... Um, but nobody you know, did back they, then. They, you know, you put the Beach Boys on. I don't care how old you are. If you're a toddler to someone that's like 85 years old that's barely getting around on a walker, dude, they're going to dance. You're going to go to a no-shower happy hour and pay Barbara Ann on there. Those girls are going to go wild. Everybody, the Beach Boys, man, they are America. Sure. You know? I was in Disney World a couple of years, uh, more than a couple of years ago, probably like 15 years ago. So we're walking around. We're in Epcot. So they had this amphitheater down there so we're walking around and i hear like this this concert this music going on and i'm like man that sounds like mike love so i walk up it's the beach boys playing i got to see the beach boys in disney world yeah they're on that kind of like yeah like, amusement yeah. park yeah the, but, supermarket opening but dude, it's like you're talking about now a magical experience yeah. you're talking about a magical experience it was they're, yeah that's cool i think they're a band that's forgotten about pet sounds was one of the first concept albums the music productions the harmonies, everything about it. It was one of the first concept albums I was listening to the other night. And to me, the concept is love, of beginning love, going through the motions of being in a relationship, and then maybe it's a drag at the end of it. I almost felt like their music was like the innocence of America before Nam and and all that other kind of... Just the innocence of America. That post-World War II... Everybody's moving into the suburbs. Everybody's getting the sure. white picket fence yeah. and the hat. Life is good. America's great. And I think their father saw this. And well, he. Their father, he was a son of a bitch. Yeah. He really was. He hit Brian Wilson so hard on his right side ear. He hit him so hard, lost almost all 6% of his hearing. Oh, wow. He was recording his whole life with one good ear. Wow. So he's on like the all-star dads with Michael Jackson. He was father. an all-star father. Oh, yeah. He sold all their royalties. Wow. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, without him knowing. Definitely abusive. He worked those kids like Joe Jackson worked his kids. Yeah. You know? If you want to see what Brian Wilson, he was a schizophrenic. Sure. He really had bad mental problems. I think that's why he heard all those harmonies and everything. He would make those albums without anybody around him. And he'd bring in the Wrecking Crew and just lay down tracks. He's like, where are you getting this? He's like, it's from my head. And I'm convinced that he's hearing all these different voices in his head and he put them on record that's a really cool point you know Mm. there's a really great movie it's called love and mercy and john kuzak plays brian wilson and it's about the recording of pet sounds about how it drove him nuts to him with the controversial the the therapist he had that kept him underground for all those years you know, it's a really great movie. It's on Amazon Prime. I just he, recently watched it. It's, it's a fantastic. sad movie. It? It's, it's a sad movie. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's, he was definitely abused by his father. His shrink took control of him. He just wanted to make music. Yeah. I've always put him in the same bucket as Sid Barrett. Super talented dude and mm-hmm. just, just lost it. I always hear, you know, being a genius of being a lunatic is our fine line between sure. them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't say anything more about the Beach Boys. They are America. I agree with Ryan, what he said. That's a great pick. I just, when we were growing up, that's all a lot of our childhood. You put any of those Beach Boys songs on, the early stuff, yeah. like Surfing USA. You know, even though they stole riffs from Chuck Berry and just put all the surfing shit on top of it. That's okay. They gave him props and they even said it. They said, yeah, we stole this from Chuck Berry. Mm. All the Hot Rod songs or the surfing songs to the chick songs. They are one yeah, of the that's greatest like, that's American so rock American. bands. Yeah, they're fan- that's a fantastic pick. Thank you. Doug, what you got number two? My number two pick, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Uh, great band. They're a cornerstone of America. They sold. They had 14 albums, 80 million sold. They played 1,400 shows and won three Grammys. It's an amazing career that Tom Petty had just by himself. You know, from everything from the Traveling Mulberries to the producing end that he did. Tom Petty and Heartbreakers toured with Bob Dylan. They said it was one of the greatest experiences of their lives and musically. Tom Petty said one of his favorite things was when he met Elvis Presley as a kid and it made him want to be a musician. I never knew that yeah, he met Elvis. Elvis was like filming a movie uh, in his town where uh, he was from, like Jacksonville, right? No, some, somewhere close to that. It was like somewhere in Florida. Yeah, and um, you think of the career that he had, who he worked with, and this and that, and you meet Elvis as a kid. You touched every end there is of rock and roll, and for him to be the iconic person that he wound up being is amazing. He's just, in my opinion. It was a very sad day when he died. I still say I'm still getting over it, and a lot of people still do. Yeah, it's like gone too soon. Yeah, but it's amazing. Like all the songs that he had, he had like, example, American Girl, Breakdown, Don't Come Around Here More, The Waiting, and you can just keep on going on and on and on and on. That one song from Silence of the Lambs, like every time I I hear it, I keep thinking of like, (laughs) Some, oh, yeah, somebody's girl. getting beat yeah. with a fake cast in the back of a van. Are you a thrown. size 13? Right. Right. What are you, like a size 13? <laughs> you're getting thrown, every time you hear that song, somebody's getting thrown down a well. Yeah. So he is the first one on the list that I'm embarrassed to say this that I saw in concert. Everybody? All these bands that we've talked wow. about, I haven't seen any of them in concert. And I'm always like, I've seen more people in concert than most people. <laughs> no. Um, I took my daughter to see him. She wanted tickets for Christmas, and we saw him on his last tour. And it was 
the first time her and I ever went to a concert it's together fantastic. by ourselves, you know, without the without the family. And because my, my wife's not a huge fan of Tom Petty. She thinks his voice is a little monotone. We've said like four times today in this going to see a band and take advantage of it. And I was so thankful that I went and saw him. Because you'll never get the chance again. Yeah. Man, all those songs. All those songs. I've seen him a bunch of times. And one of the last times I saw him, he had Stevie Winwood opening up. Stevie Winwood, you know, wrote Give Me Some Lovin'. So at the sets going on, Stevie Winwood's leaving the set, leaving the stage. I'm like, oh my God, he didn't play Give Me Some Lovin'. I love come, Steve Winwood. Yeah, here yeah. comes Tom Petty. Tom Petty's playing this set. The last song that comes that brings Stevie Winwood out, it played Give Me Some Lovin'. It was probably one of the top moments of concerts that I've ever That's seen. It's awesome. It was, I'm like, I can't believe I'm seeing this right now. It's like, it was rocking. The whole Court State Center, wherever we're called down there now. I remember that show. I had to work that night. So we saw me, Ryan, and our buddy Brian went to go see him a year or two prior to that. And a friend of ours got us tickets. We were right in front row. Or not front row, like the 10th row. We're Pierre, sitting next to Pierre. Sitting next to Pierre Robert. And we're sitting there talking. Pierre's really super cool. I had a Ramon shirt on. Like He's like, oh, that's great. And um, Steve Woodward is walking, walking by us and sits us like two rows right in front of us. He would have sit in the, in the in crowd, the crowd. To watch. for Tom and nobody, Petty. And everybody's watch Tom like, Petty. Ooh, to watch Tom Petty. So Ryan, later on, and I agree with Ryan, like, Give Me Some Lovin' is one of the greatest songs ever written, hands down. So... Ryan goes to the show. I was working the bar. He comes back. He's like, man, he might even call, like, like text me. Dude, he's doing, like, give me some loving with Tom Petty. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I think I have it on video on one of my old phones. I would have loved to have seen that. Like, it's just one of those moments. It was. I was like, pay attention to this. I was like, remember this. Yeah. This is, and that was the last time I saw Tom Petty. I think Tom Petty is where my love of rock and roll started. Okay. Totally remember hearing Free Fallen on the radio and just thinking, what is that? I need more of that. Who is this dude? After he died, I was thinking about this a lot. I'm like, I I think that's where it all started for me. Mm -hmm. He was the ground zero of my love of rock and roll. Absolutely. That song was so good, Free Fallen. Yeah. That whole album, Full Moon Fever, is such a great album. I almost struggled to find the difference between that and the Greatest Hits album. I was like, there's so many songs that are on both. Well, to tell you the truth, Tom Petty is just a Tom Petty album. The Heartbreakers aren't on on that record. So the, the Heartbreakers didn't want to play on it. They're like, this is like a... He's like, well, don't play on it. Yeah. And then it was like, boom, boom, boom. Song, huge, iconic songs. And then he's kind of like the throw-in in the Traveling Wilburys. I think they were having dinner at Dylan's house or something, and and they decided they were going to jam. And one of the guys, I think it was George Harrison, was like, oh, I left me guitar at my friend Tom's <laughs> house. Let me give him a call. And, Conveniently. Right. And then. Tom Petty showed up. He's like, oh, shit. Well, I just happened to bring my guitar, too. Sure. You're in the band, son. Yeah, and it became this, like, <laughs> absolutely fantastic. There was one of the forgotten supergroups of rock and roll. But can How you, you imagine being Tom Petty at that point? You have George Harrison. You have Roy Orbison. You have um, Jeff Lynne. Jeff Lynne. Well, and Bob Dylan. Yeah. Here you are growing up listening to these, this music your whole life, and now you're one of them. Not like I'm sure those guys don't roll like that or whatever. How do you not? Like, I know, but like your mind has to blow. There's a really cool. I know we're getting off track, but there's a really cool uh, 
documentary that they put out when they reissued the Traveling Wilbury stuff. Mm-hmm. And they're all, it's so awesome how reverential they are to Roy Orbison. Like George Harrison is calling him Mr. Orbison. Sure. Like, yeah. You're, you're yeah. one of the Beatles. And you're like, oh, Mr. Orbison, so, it's yeah. such a pleasure to get to play music with you. It's but, so cool. But he, even I lie, he was a hero of his. Yeah. You know, like, Tom Petty had to sit around once in a while and just be like, this is unreal. This is, he met Elvis as a kid. He's probably, right. you know, he's probably in that room with the Wilburys and being like, I'm just going to be very very quiet maybe they'll forget that i'm here and I'll, right. I'll make it on the album he's like, like how do you stand in that room and like go say hey dylan you know write this lyric instead of this lyric oh okay they sat around and they would be like like writing song lyrics and they'd be like no forget yeah. that lyric put this song in there it was i would love to be there for that session petty was like i mean he came out with that greatest hits album like the late 90s and like you sure. knew every single song on it and then he went on to make even more good music after that. Wildflowers to me is just an absolutely beautiful rock and roll song. Mm-hmm. It's just uh, I have nothing else to say about it. It's just yeah, a beautiful it, song. That's all, yeah, yeah. Um, somebody said to Tom Petty years ago, "Your songs are great. They're simple songs." He's like, "Let me see you try to do it." We're talking about like with the Wilburys and everything like that. What's great about that is he had all their respect as a songwriter, you know, and that's that's, that's saying point. a lot, dude. That's just saying a lot, and it's just an amazing career that he had, and it's sad every day that he's not here, and I don't think I'll ever get over it. He left left a good library of music behind with a lot of great videos. Yeah. Yeah, his videos were like the videos yeah, on MTV. We're, we're talking about like ZZ Top being made by yeah. videos. Tom Petty, I mean the the video for uh, Don't Come Around Here No More uh, with Alice in Wonderland. Wonderland was just it was so cool. The he had the giant hat and then mm-hmm. like the girls the cake getting eaten and yeah. it was just yeah. like super cool. I, I think one of my first remembering of seeing a video or seeing Tom Petty was You Got Lucky Babe, which was like a a Mad Max world, and they found like old video games and everything like that. I love that song to begin with. Yeah, like I, I, I think that's like the best thing you could like tell tell like your your ex. Like, yeah. You got lucky when you found me. The, yeah. I mean, the free fall and the girls. Uh, she's on the half pipe, like mm-hmm. skating back and forth, yeah. and um, last dance with Mary Jane. He's Kim dancing Basinger. with Kim Basinger. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, I'm I'm dancing with a with a dead chick, and it was like, oh, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. There was a great album he did. It wasn't very popular. It was called Echo. If you ever really, it came out what like ninety seven. Yeah, 98? I, I kind of like that album. I do yeah. like that album. Is a I think one of the singles off of it was uh, "There's a Room at the Top at the World Tonight." Uh, yeah, that's a great song. Oh, that's a great song. It's a great album. It, just songwriting on point. Yeah, super talented. But yeah, cool. that's my number two. So I am about to do my number two. We have only had. Two bands that have been multiple so far. Okay. So we're at the the betting line. So we have one more. We're over. And we're going over right now because my number two is Buddy Holly and the Crickets. Very okay. nice. So awesome. um, it was really hard for me to keep my mouth shut. No, go for <laughs> so, it. Go for um, it. And I went, I went super music nerd yeah. on this. I, just, I can I, understand I, I, why. I, gonna, I understand uh, why. If you go and let you were Ryan, you were talking about the the version of That'll Be the Day. And I wish we had a way we could put music in here and not get sued. sued. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if there's a way to do that, if you go listen to the version of That'll Be the Day that he did by himself, and then you go play the version that he did with the crickets, mm-hmm. when he came back and said, no, 
I have a vision for how my music is going to sound. The first version is like, it's really tinny. And then the second version has all the harmonies behind it. It's night and day. Oh, wow. I've never heard it. I'll, I'll play for you guys before we leave. And mm-hmm. if I can find a way to splice it into this, I'll do that. Okay. It's, it, it's really, really cool. Diving into just some of the innovations that he had. So if you listen to Peggy Sue, the rolling drums, like it, it's like, you know, yeah, yeah it's like a, it's like a wipeout. They were, kind of they were doing the, he had somebody that would rise the modulation, like the producer would move it up in the mix and move it down in the mix. So um, it would feed up and feed back. Yeah. And he said, like, sometimes on. he would play guitar and he would have somebody sitting on the floor next to him. And moving the knobs on his electric guitar because wow. they didn't know how to do any of the post-production kind of stuff. He knew what he wanted, though. Yeah. He wrote his own music. Elvis was the face of like rock and roll at the time. Elvis didn't write his own stuff. He only wrote one song. Yeah. Elvis only wrote one song. It was horrible. Buddy Holly was one of the first artists to ever use double tracks, mm-hmm. ever. The whole concept of the a band with two guitars, a bass, and a drums comes from Buddy Holly. He had that kind of a that hiccup kind of singing. Mm-hmm. Like I won't even try to to replicate it. Oh, he um, had, yeah. But that was like that was all him. The look, the glasses, the dorkiness. Elvis was all about cool. Being he cool. was he was attractive and mm-hmm. the cool. And Buddy Holly was kind of like I just want to party. Yeah, like it was just, we're just going to have some fun. And I, I don't have much else to say other than that, that we talked about, you know, the day yeah. the music died. We talked about the nerdiness. The amazingness is also like how much stuff he would do a song and then the crickets would do a song. And it was something the way his contract was structured, that they were on two separate labels. Okay. So they would alternate doing stuff and sometimes they would do the same version twice just to get more royalties of it. That's um, brilliant. That's brilliant. He died so young. Yeah. Yeah, imagine uh, yeah. all the songs or all the other artists he would have found, he would have produced. You yeah. Know? You know, he, he opened up for Elvis a couple of times. And, yeah, that's and, how he got started. Yeah, and there was a it, before they were trying to make him like Elvis. He's like, I'm not Elvis. Yeah. I'm Buddy Holly. Yeah. yeah. You know, I'm here to play Buddy Holly's song. It was almost like he was almost like punk rock in his attitude. He was, he was like, yeah. I had this vision, dude, and this yeah. is what we are doing. Yeah. And I think that's why he was on my list also. Like yeah. you said, he was the punk rock yeah. of, And, and of, just everything changed because of him. I mean, when the Beatles are like, the first song that the Quarrymen recorded was a Buddy Holly song. Yes, that was a, yeah. That'll Be the Day was the yeah. demo for the Beatles. Like, the Hollies are named after Buddy Holly. Yeah. You know, yeah. Nothing else to say. No, well, you know, if you're out there. And you never listened to Buddy Holly. Definitely put on his greatest hits and just rock out. Just amazing. Just amazing, 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 amazing music. He was American yeah. as American Pie. All right. We are down to the number one. Woo! We are down to number one. What you got, Ryan? All right. For my number one. Who is it and why is it Britney Spears? <laughs> <laughs> well, New Kids on the Block is my favorite number one. <laughs> my number one, I'm going to go with the Ramones. The Ramones is the greatest American rock and roll band ever fucking assembled. They sold 500,000 copies with the first album. Not bad for a little punk rock band. The rawness of the album influenced thousands of bands and all kinds of music. I think their sound had like a Phil Spector kind of sound like on top of punk rock they had these crazy little harmonies going together they were like love songs joey ramone was like you know the only thing joey could have been was a rock star that's the only thing god intended him to be the ramones is a big deal to me growing up it was one of the one of the first songs i played with a band blitzkrieg bop was like at my 
talent show in high school. That was in my notes, too, saying old soul sound in I Want to Be Your Boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And some of those old, like you you could hear the throwback to other types of music. The Ramones had 14 studio albums, seven live albums, 16 compilation albums, 71 singles, 32 music videos, and 10 films. 10 films? 10 films. I know. It's like, like rock and roll high school. Yeah, I mean, rock and roll high school and... I can't say I've seen anything else by it. <laughs> I never got <laughs> eleven. I don't think Scorsese made it. Uh, <laughs> known it. Yeah. Like again, these four guys that didn't know how to tune a guitar made one of the greatest albums ever made. That first Ramones record. Sure. Is made a whole scene. Like those guys are the only ones they were at the right place at the right time then the as the universe aligns, those guys came together and they made a sound. And it, it, was, it was the Ramones. Just, no. just looking at you and your body language as you're talking about them is is cool as shit. Because you can tell like, how, <laughs> yeah, no, how me, passionate you are yeah. about it is just awesome. No, well, you know, the, me and the Ramones go back a long way. I remember hair, there was a – who was it? Skid Row? Skid Row, when we were like really young, mm-hmm. they would cover um, – Oh, yeah. They would yeah, cover yeah. Ramones songs. I'm yeah. like, whoa, what's this? Yeah. And it totally like switched my mind. And I was like, what is this? Oh, this is punk rock. I was like, oh, this isn't like anything that I ever heard or seen. And the whole Ramones thing, you know, I like to count myself as Ryan Ramone. Sure. Like, you know, yeah. Doug is Dougie Ramone. You know, we have a Ramones, Joey Ramone way uh, street sign, sign, street sign hanging up in the bar. Unbelievable band. It's like, it's funny you bring up, you know, Phil Spector. Phil Spector did an album. Yeah. And it was a disaster. Like the whole story about holding him gunpoint and playing pinball. Because yeah. he's, he's a psychotic person. He's in jail now for murder. Right. He's also is on he our, dead? Uh, like, the prisoners of rock and roll. Like they're not nice dudes. Yeah, yeah. We're saying about Motley Crue. He yeah. could have got away with one murder. He made all those songs. Come on. <laughs> hey, man. He might have. You only heard about the one. Yeah. He got sloppy in his old age. Yeah, we start hand, handing out our uh, podcast Bad Dude Award. Yeah, yeah. He's, yeah, we he's should, a shitbag. We should have yes. But that was a disaster. And um, Phil Spector, he saw what you're saying with the Ramones. Like, you know, those four guys can make that sound. and The rawness of the it. The rawness of it and this and that. And, and they he did went to for, cash. And they did it for decades. It's been, yeah. Phil Spector didn't F up many things he touched other than the Beatles and the Ramones. What no. did he do with the Beatles? He did. Well, he worked with John Lennon. Let, let it be. He did the Imagine album. He did Let It Be. He did the original oh, did, Let It Be. And he, then there's the, the Let It Be Naked. The, which is the, awesome. Which is great. Yeah. With and they, they unwound stuff. all his the wall, the wall of sound. sound. It's worth checking out, like to dive and, into it. You know, like the Ramones, they weren't the greatest musicians around yeah johnny ramone made one sound and it was down on the guitar <laughs> yeah it was the down chords um but they influenced so many bands let's let's start talking about them there wouldn't be no green day there wouldn't be yeah. no offspring there would be there'd be no sex pistols there would be no clash the ramones started that whole scene over in england the sex pistols Went and saw them play with the Clash, and Johnny Rotten is such a pussy. <laughs> <laughs> he has such a big mouth. He was so scared to go in to meet the Ramones because he really legit thought they were a gang. Absolutely. They were going to yeah. beat him. I love up. that story. Like how how hard, how punk rock is that? Like I'm afraid to go see this band, but I think they're going to beat the shit out of me. Yeah, and they're just a bunch of nerds themselves. Yeah, no, the Ramones. Yeah, you know? they're just, in my opinion, they're the greatest American rock and roll yeah. band. They were around for decades. Yeah. For me to to say not. The Grateful Dead or Fish yeah. to be my favorite American rock and roll bands. I'm not, like I said at the beginning of this, I'm not going to put them out there because what my taste is in everybody's taste. Mm-hmm. But greatest American rock and roll band, the Ramones. 
Even Lemmy wrote a song for them. Yeah. Like I said before, everybody looks up Sid Vicious being the punk bass rock guy. No. D.D. Ramone, baby. Yeah, D.D., he wrote all those songs. He, he, he was always, one, two, three, four. They were like so fast. Like I was saying earlier, one side of the Grace Hits album had 20 songs on it. <laughs> <laughs> they, did, they did a tour and they timed the first show. They, they, they went on long tours, you know, forever. So they timed the, the show from the first show to the last show. The show sped up 30 minutes or 25 minutes faster by the time they ended. The same set, the same everything, time-wise. They, they played so fast that the show got shorter by 20 minutes or something like that by the end of the tour. I think they, just, they and I think they toured in a van like they a did. beat the shit yeah. van. van. Yeah. For like for the their first whole 20 lives. years. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like they they piled in that van and they yeah. that's so punk rock. Yeah. They're they the were. definition of punk rock, man. They started that scene down at CBGB's. Yeah. Sure. They were CBGB's was just coming through. But then the you know you had little bands coming making a little noise, but the Ramones came in there and made a lot of noise. Made a lot of noise. People came in and made CBGBs of what it was. I don't know what else to say about the Ramones. You, you know, if you don't listen to the Ramones, shame on you. Yeah. Go out, get the first album, turn it up to eleven, and <laughs> tell me I'm wrong. I got something to say. Hey ho, let's go. Yeah, yeah. What's Doug's number one pick? Gaba gaba <laughs> hey gaba hey. Okay, well my number one band that I have inducted the Ramones into the Rock and Roll of Fame, and that's Pearl Jam. Pearl Jam. Let's talk about Pearl Jam. Pearl Jam has 11 albums, sold 60 million albums altogether, played 1,034 shows, won three Grammys. They were the soundtrack of my teenage years. They covered everybody. They keep it simple. They kept the idea of rock and roll alive through the years, through the beginning of the years, especially because they covered every, everybody. Some people might say that they're the greatest cover band of all time because they covered every popular rock and roll song ever made their greatest live band i've ever seen yeah they bring it again going back to fish and grateful dead they never play the same show twice and matter of fact a couple years ago uh, more than a couple years ago in 1990 let's see here i'm sorry from 2000 2001 they released 72 live albums i remember them you remember them yeah it was like a new brown cover you know like totally. who did that? You know, it was hard to see Pearl Jam again. They took on Ticketmaster. They went on. The, they went up to Capitol Hill. Mike Mike McCready and or was a Stone and Jeff went up there. I still think they're the hardest ticket to get. I yeah, still have that dude, mentality. That's, like, oh my god, yeah. it's so hard to get Pearl Jam tickets because I remember the whole lottery yeah. thing. And the future, we went through an experience recently to go see Pearl Jam, and it's going to go back to getting get hard again where you knock if you don't get a ticket right from Ticketmaster guess what right, there's you're not no, you're not going they're just really real guys like they backed up Neil Young on on Mirrorball and they didn't get credit for it which yeah. is a great album i'm not a i'm not a big neil young Neither guy am I, but but that's a great yeah. great and um in one of my opinions the song alive one the uh, whole album the whole album 10 is fantastic but from going from number 6 on my list and number 1 Mike McCready said his guitar solo from Alive was inspired by Ace Frehley. I just read that piece of information. I, I checked up on it. Man, and it was that, true. that first album was so good. Was your induction to them Alive or was yeah. it the single soundtrack? I remember the first time. I, ha- I had them both right away. Yeah. I remember the first time I heard Alive. My first band, um, across the street from the bar, there's a bowling alley. So the first band I was in, my buddy Ernie worked down there. So we had a band down there in the summer because the bowling alley was closed. He picked me up to go buy my first amplifier. And he had on the Alive album, I think Even Flow was playing, probably. And, or 10 album, I'm sorry. And 
I was like, what is this? And he's like, this is that new band Pearl Jam. And to hear that while I'm going another three blocks to go buy my first amplifier at San Amico music store, like it totally changed. Like my whole life changed in that, that, that two block car ride. You know, I remember the first time I saw Pearl Jam really early on, they had an unplugged and that unplugged became so famous. Yeah. Still is. Um, I saw that and it was like, Oh my God, what is this? I went out to the record store the next day and bought 10. Yeah. And right away, the beginning of it, it the beginning of 10 is awesome. You hear that bottles breaking mm. and everything like yeah. that. Why Go Home? Yeah. It's first song. When mm. you hear that riff come in. It's, dude, it's unreal. It's just like, it, it was, what, what band was bigger than Pearl Jam at that moment? Maybe Nirvana came around and changed it, but you know, who knows? I, I had the same experience where I remember going to my buddy's house, my buddy Steve's house in high school, and him just going like, you have to hear sure. this. Yeah. And he had the, the liner note, and I remember opening it up, like you saw him from like the chest up with the hands up, and yeah. if you open the full liner it was, notes, it was the, the, whole the full, the full yeah. body. And I remember him opening it and just going like, you have to hear this. Mm. That sense of urgency. Yeah, dude, you're 14 years old and you you don't know anything about the world, but this shit is important. This is what's up. Yeah. It was at the same time that I was like, Teen Spirit was hitting. Mm-hmm. The whole music world was changing. Sure. Now, I have a, a, a piece of information here. I wanted to ask you guys if you remember this. Were you guys working at Blockbuster Music when Vitalogy came out? I I was in Sam Goody. Okay. Now I was still working there. Now Pearl Jam. I don't remember. Now, right? Pearl, it was. I don't remember. It was versus, mm-hmm. and then Vitalogy. Yes. Yeah. So the first. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So Pearl Jam going back like super cool band. Just try to keep it real. Just you know Eddie Vedder is Eddie Vedder is still the same guy. So they released Vitalogy on vinyl two weeks before you can buy it on CD. So if you wanted, so if you bought it on vinyl, you heard it before anybody else. I don't know if you guys remembered that or not. I kind of remember don't. it. I kind of do remember it. I remember Pearl Jam always putting their stuff out on vinyl. They made vinyl cool. Like, you know what I mean? Like, because vinyl comes around every couple of like yeah. years. But I remember that exposure to Pearl Jam. Vinyl was making a real big comeback. And Pearl Jam had a lot to do with that, I think. Well, yeah. Um, they kept the roots. They kept uh, the roots of rock and roll together. I think the world made um, the Foo Fighters number one rock and roll band in America these days mm-hmm. by population. And I don't think Pearl Jam gets the love. Well, that's because Foo Fighters they have more radio hit songs. Pearl Jam's only number, the highest song that they ever reached on Billboard is number two, and it's a cover of last kiss wow which was it's their only it's their only song that hit number two yeah and that's God. a that's a cover song and that was just released by a fan club thing and it just people got wind of it and radio stations started playing it but that's their highest single the, the crotchety old music store dude in me yellow Ledbetter was like a big people would come Huge. into the music store yeah. wanting that and it was a b-side yeah it was a b-side on like an import yeah so you're like hey you got to pay 17.99 yeah. for yeah. these two songs yeah. I, I remember, remember going down the south street and buying a covers album because it was all live covers before, yeah. the, before the internet and everything like that before you really get your hands yeah, used on to go stuff to, used to go to a record store and actually yeah. buy physical bootlegs yeah. to hear those yeah. covers yeah. yeah the good old days yeah damn kids don't know how good they got it yeah when did I turn 44? <laughs> yeah, so... Um, no, Pearl Jam's a great pick. Yeah, their their charity work that they've done, they're... I don't like, think they put a bad album out. I don't think they ever put a bad album I out. I don't know. Yeah, they just have, like, No Code is hands down my favorite album, but, uh, like, I'm a nerd, like, a super nerd fan. But if you... Anybody listening out there, if you're familiar with Pearl Jam and you're not familiar with No Code, that is my favorite album, and I think it's just their best... 
something. Nothing wrong with the rest of their albums. And they're they're great. They close down the spectrum. In the bar, we have the four, they played four shows. And um, they dressed up like Devo on Halloween, the last show ever to play the Spectrum. They're just the iconic rock band. They're the last ones standing out of that yeah. generation. Everybody's dead. Right. Yeah. I mean, Allison Chains is still around, but they have a different singer. Yeah. Chris Cornell is gone. Chris Cornell yeah. is gone. We went into, we went to the Rock and Roll of Fame and they had this MTV exhibit. So they had Eddie Vedder's shirt that he wore on Saturday Night when Kurt Cobain killed himself. It was when he overdosed. It was before he killed himself, and it and it said Kurt on it oh, around the, the the heart. Yeah, he wrote a he, circle with a K in it. That's when he, he put his hand. That's he, when he overdosed. When he, he opened up, yeah. was it? I thought when no, he it died. wasn't when he died. It okay. was when he overdosed, and he was like oh. in in France, and that's when Eddie had the shirt on, and he pulled that's it open. A, that's even cooler than that, I thought. That's I was when he pulled it, open. it was. That, it wasn't. It was. It was before he died. I listened to um, Eddie Vedder's. Induction of the Ramones mm-hmm. into the, the Mohawk, Rock and Roll dude. He had the yeah, Mohawk, super cool. And he said that the Ramones were the Beatles to the Seattle scene. Sure, totally. Oh. Sure, that's why they're my number one. All right, mm. all right. Man, we'll- so last but not least is me. So my number one band, and I've argue, I've been in this argument for years. Sorry, Doug. No, Creedence Clearwater Revival. Okay. That's, that's all right. To me, yeah. is they got the songs. Yeah, they is do. the ultimate American rock and roll band they only made records for four years really and the amount of music that came out of them was just monumental bad moon rising fortunate sun down on the corner traveling band who will stop the rain run through the jungle put a spell on you heard it through the grapevine you've ever seen the rain hit after hit sure. after hit you thought they were four dudes riding one of those boats with the big fan on the back yeah. through the bayou yeah but they were from california sure. they were they were right down the street from hate ashbury where the dead were recording yeah, yeah. they're california dudes they're not from louisiana oh i always thought they were from no. yeah john fogarty said when tom petty died he was on the top he's like here i am this guy writing songs pretending that I'm um, from the bayou or whatever. And here's this guy who's actually from the bayou. Yeah. Their songs were about war and politics, and they they just jumped in. Like To me, Fortunate Son, I think, is one of the greatest American rock and roll songs. And it's in the Forrest Gump soundtrack. Sure. Oh, yeah. That sounds great. The scene where the, the helicopter is flying in over Nam, the shot is behind the helicopter down at the rice paddy. You see the the, the shadow of the helicopter over it and the gunners just kind of like chewing gum looking out yeah and it's playing fortunate son it just sums up the attitude toward the war totally that's a great scene that movie mm-hmm. bubba and him but yeah no, we are not related it's funny i i was as i was researching them they said that they they played woodstock but they're not in the, the, in the movie, movie. Mm. because they said fogarty didn't want them in there because the dead played before them yeah. he said the dead put the audience to sleep oh no really? way yeah the dead didn't put them in the <laughs> movie either yeah. The Dead wouldn't put their movie in the Woodstock in the, movie because it was so bad. Yeah. It was like the worst set they ever did. The amount of music that they came up with. I, their greatest hits is still on the Billboard Top 100. It was released in 1976. Wow. It's still there. And then the, the whole story about them, you were mentioning the bad record deal with Tom Petty. They self-destructed over their creative differences, and they agreed that they were, if somebody in the band wrote a song, then that person would get to sing the song, and it was complete shit. Stu Cook wrote a song, and it was garbage. And then they self-destructed, and then but they had written such a bad contract that when John Fogarty 
came out with his solo. He came out with Old Man Down the Road. His old record label sued him and said he was plagiarizing Run Through the Jungle. How? Yes. Yeah. So he that. got sued for plagiarizing himself. I remember that. How, remember how that. does that happen? And he still doesn't own the rights to his own material. He refused to play CCR stuff. He was so bitter. Yeah. And I it would was be all, too. When his, his brother was in the band, his brother died of AIDS. Mm-hmm. And oh, like, I didn't know that. And, and John went to go make, make nice with him on his deathbed and he was on his deathbed he was like the guy that owned the original to their contract he was like he's my best friend and you're not and they never spoke again he died wow so now he goes out and he still will yeah. perform CCR stuff yeah. knowing that he doesn't make any money off of it but he doesn't yeah. care he did a great Super Bowl he's yeah. amazing and he's I, I saw him live which now brings to two the number of bands on this whole list yeah and being honest with you bruce i did not put ccr on my list because i knew they were gonna be your number one okay I I true oh i i yeah. purposely did not put them on my list okay because i knew you were gonna have them number one number two oh. so the band when i when i mentioned that they all got to sing their own songs john landau who was the guy who said i've seen the future of rock and roll and mm-hmm. his name is bruce springsteen yeah, yeah. yeah he said that that album was the worst album ever made by a major rock and roll band in the history of music. Really? So, yeah, and then after Tom Fogarty died, Stu Cook and Doug Clifford started Creedence Clearwater Revisited. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's awful. awful. It's awful. I had a girlfriend one time. It's like, oh, look, I got this CCR for like in the bargain bin for $2. Yeah. I'm like, no, this is the right. revival. Stupid. It's the shit in like Woolworth. Yeah. You're so stupid. <laughs> when they got inducted to Rock and Roll of Fame, John Fogarty refused. I just heard this yesterday on yeah. Sirius Radio. Refused to play with those guys. Who did he play with? He played with Springsteen. Yeah. I remember yeah. that. Yeah. 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 That, that was a great Springsteen. show. That was a great show. The opening of the Hall of Fame. Yeah. And, and Fogarty had a whole, you know, he's had a successful career sure. by himself. I Put mean, me it, in coach. Yeah. You right, know, like, right. You hear center, center field, field every every year yeah. when baseball starts. It's one of my so. dad's favorite or our dad's favorite yeah. songs, man. Got the, yeah. the guitar, like the bat. I've seen that in the, at the uh, Washington Museum. They had that. Oh, no, no. no I'm sorry. Some, they had it at the Baseball Hall of Fame. They did. The baseball Hall of Fame. Yeah, the bat, the Hall of Fame. But. Going back to them, it was just hit after hit after hit, and it was yeah. so much of their stuff was about Nam and what was going on in the world, yeah. and it was, just, it was just great music. Did you hear the story when he wrote Fortune Son? How he wrote that? No, he was um, he got he got uh, discharged from the army, mm-hmm. and he said he was living in San Francisco. He said it was the greatest day of his life. He did. He was doing cartwheels uh, in Golden Gate Park or whatever, and he just came up with that song. I'm not a fortunate son. Huh. I would yeah. be so relieved if I was him, not good enough. Yeah, yeah. I would write yeah. a song too. Yeah. <laughs> yep. All right, so that's it. So we've got our top six each. Why don't we take another little commercial break and then let's come up with a list of twenty bands that should have been on this list that weren't, and we'll just rattle them off. This episode of the Prisoners of Rock and Roll is still brought to you by McCusker's Tavern. The building is at the intersection of 17th and Shunk Streets in South Philadelphia, but the atmosphere lives at the intersection of cold beer, sports, and great music. If they're good enough for this show, they're good enough for you. That's McCuskersTavern.com. All right, well, we're back from that second commercial for McCusker's Tavern. We're here, but you're not. We're having a great time. We can be here, and you're not. So... We took a little break, and then we just circled up, and we just came up with some honorable mentions. So we all had really long lists of people, right? It was pages. Sure. It was really hard to just pick six. We just sat down, and we just rattled off like 25 artists that we're just going to say that we thought about. So don't email us and say, why didn't you think? Actually, you know what? No, we, we do want we you want to email emails. Yeah. Yeah. We want yeah. some response of how we want your messages, we want your emails, we yeah. want your texts. So some honorable mentions, and we're just going to mention these names without even getting into the any sort of discussion around 
around them, but bands that have had an influence on on us. The Foo Fighters, Social Distortion, Johnny Cash, The Talking Heads, Nirvana, The Grateful Dead, Fish, Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band, Chicago, Bill Haley and the Comets, the New York Dolls, any of the Motown acts, the Temptations, the Miracles, the Supremes, the Allman Brothers, the band, Leonard Skinner, Bon Jovi, Stone Temple Pilots, the White Stripes, Bob Seger and the Silver Bullet Band, George Thorogood and the Delaware Destroyers, Janis Joplin and Big Brother and the Holding Company, Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, the Eagles, Green Day, and Soundgarden. And there's still, there's a oh, hundred bands that we didn't even yeah. mention. Go on and on and on. This show's been long enough. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> we're we're pushing bands. three hours. <laughs> we can do a deep cut edition. So as we're just wrapping up, I guess uh, we do have some listener feedback. So yeah. we did have uh, Dan from Boston sent us a message about our Motley Crue episode cover art. A lost thing is music has gone to digital. And he said that, uh, hey guys, people do still buy music vinyl. Uh, vinyl is all the rage again, so artwork really does matter. People don't buy records like we used to buy CDs when we were young, but it's not like physical music or artwork is dead now. Thanks for that comment, Dan. That's great. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I hope more people feel like that. Yeah, I hope that the album cover comes back, make, makes a big comeback and big piece of art again. Do you guys listen to vinyl? Do you I buy do. Vinyl? I, have a, I have a really nice vinyl collection. I have a really nice turntable. Yeah. Doug, do you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't. Um, oh, you should get on you that. Really? That's surprising. Yeah. Oh, that's any, shocking. Any vinyl that I have is something like I buy and I frame and I hang up on my house. Oh, nice. uh, we got to so. get started on the vinyl collection, bro. Everything's all digital. Me too. I threw my CDs yeah. out years ago. I got a box filled with stuff that I'll never throw out. But That's a, that's really surprising. You're such a music guy, dude. You don't yeah. have... The, you have like, a new hobby, sir. Yeah. I don't, I don't... Dude, they don't take up much space vinyl. You just need like a bookcase. You need a record player, and you got to put the shit on. I'm a, I'm a. I'll uh, quote Bad Religion. I'm a 21st century digital boy. You don't know what you're missing. You don't know what you're missing. All right. Well, so I'm losing out. I'm missing out. Yeah. Um, let's say thank you for all of our listeners that got to us last week. Uh, Michael Lease sending it. Brian nice, Overton. Brian Overton. Um, yeah, man. This was a really good time tonight. Yeah. It was hard to come up with six. We did it. And uh, give us some feedback, what you think about what our picks were. Yeah, so we're on social media. We got a Facebook page. We're on... We're close pretty, to 300 people. We're pretty much on every platform now that you could possibly listen to uh, your podcast from. You can email us at prisonersofrockandroll at gmail.com. You can also find us at prisonersofrockandroll.com. And uh, we'll be back in two weeks with another episode. We don't know what we're going to talk about yet, but I think we're going to end it here and we'll yeah. figure that out. All so, right, this is an absolute pleasure, guys, tonight. This was awesome. Thanks again. So, all right, cowboys and cowgirls, peace out. <laughs>